Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Kevin, when I was a kid, and it is still like, it, it, I can still remember the the surreal, incredulous nature of this. I was in the sixth grade when the Colts moved to Indianapolis. And it was so cool to suddenly, and yet bizarre and surreal to realize that Indianapolis had an NFL team. And it almost felt like the Colts at that time, to be honest with you, like weren't even, I hate to say it felt like they were an expansion team, but they were really bad. But still, they were, it was like, oh my gosh, like they play in Indianapolis, like holy, the Indianapolis Colts. And like you'd heard of the Baltimore Colts, but in the years preceding their coming to Indianapolis, the Baltimore Colts were like today's version of, I don't know, who's a, who's a franchise like we hardly ever hear about now. That's hard to say because of the way the NFL is covered, but, you know, the Lions probably. But regardless, one of the guys that they had taken high in the draft in 1982, I think he was a top three pick. Johnny Cooks was a defensive end. For the, actually, he was more of a linebacker for the Colts and was a good player. I mean, was probably underachieved based on where he was drafted. In today's day, with sports talk radio and everything else, there'd probably be people calling in like, what are they going to get production from him? And, and that kind of thing. But he did have 11 and a half sacks in the first year that the Colts came here in 84 and was just a guy that you would see around town. You know, they'd have Johnny Cooks at Kroger signing autographs or, or Johnny Cooks posters or whatever. I remember there was a rumor at Eastwood, like, Johnny Cooks' daughter is going to go to school here. And, and, of course, in hindsight, I'm like, he was like 26. There's no way he had a 14-year-old daughter. But um, at any rate, woke up this morning. I don't know if you saw it or not, Kevin, but Johnny Cooks, the former Mississippi State football legend by on their standpoint – uh, passed away. Uh, it was announced very late last night, early this morning. So, yeah, I saw Jim Ursay's tweet yesterday about it, Jake. And, and I didn't when, know that Ursay t- tweeted yesterday about it because I saw it. I mean, I'm not saying he didn't. I'm just yeah, um, yeah. I thought he did. I don't know. Maybe he he, he may have. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and, and when I saw Ursay's tweet, you know, something that I feel like Ursay does a great job of, and obviously there's other people within that organization that certainly contribute to it, but remembering some of that Baltimore lineage and to your point, those early days of the franchise here in Indy are years that just don't get talked about a whole lot. Um, so when Ursay tweeted out the picture of him, I, after about an hour, I decided to go back to the tweet and just kind of click on it. And I was just curious how people would respond to it. Like, uh, you know, to me, Johnny Cooks is not a household name. Correct. So scrolling through the tweets, it was like, wow, this dude was like really beloved. Yeah. for w- Part of it, he was like this. I'm trying to think of a guy that would fit this. Let me describe him, Kevin, and then you put it in the modern terms, okay? Um, a good player on not good teams who 
was an imposing figure, physically speaking, when you saw him, but had like a big grin and seemingly was always in a good mood and jovial and thus came off in a teddy bear-like way despite the fact that he was a good player on the field. Yeah, and I feel like that you know, description is pretty easy to root for, especially when, to your point, Jake, it almost had a bit of an expansion feel to it when Baltimore made the move here to Indy. Uh, but yeah, like you said, second overall pick in 82 and had that big 11 and a half sack season the first year, I think it was, when he was here with Indy and then uh, won a title with the Giants, correct? Correct. He was with the Giants after Indianapolis. Um, matter of fact, he played with the Giants uh, 89-90, finished in Cleveland in 91. Uh, this is like peak summer topic. And by the way, good Friday morning to you. Looks to be a really nice day here in Indianapolis. Think potentially some rain in the forecast tomorrow, so keep an eye on that if you got outdoor activities planned. I am Kevin Bowen. He is Jake Query, Mark Dykton with us as well. Obviously, a ton of Pacers chatter to get to after the Bruce Brown and Tyrese Halliburton press conferences from yesterday. Unless I totally missed it, I don't think we have any Colt announced into the Ring of Honor yet this season? Did I did I miss that? I have not heard. And of course, then again, I missed the Ursa tweet on Johnny Cooks. Um, we had Mathis last year, right? Yeah, Mathis last year, and then was Freeney the year before that, or Tarek Glenn might have been. Was, when was Tarek Glenn? Yeah, Tarek Glenn was was certainly recent. But I know there's a lot of people that still think there should be one more. Oh, it was Tart Glenn last year, uh, Mathis the year before. Nobody during the COVID year, Dwight Freeney in 2019. I think there's a lot of people that think there should be another one from those 1980-type teams. I've got an idea of who we could It's more modern, though. We have Matt Ryan. <laughs> Number two. Put it up uh, there. I thought you were going to go with maybe Mr. Gilmore. Actually, at times, literally on that, Mark. Um Okay, so you're saying a player from the well, early 80s that should be in the Ring of Honor. I feel like not. Chap and I, when it gets to like day 10 of training camp, we're just kind of like, all right, what do you want to talk about today? As we Ray Donaldson. Practice? And Ray Donaldson's the one that gets mentioned the the most. Yeah. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, it's just Bill Brooks from those teams that's up there? Dickerson. Although Dickerson wasn't the early team. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. Oh, Chris Hinton. Chris Hinton. Yeah. Yep. And that would be it, I think, right? So Donaldson would be the obvious one. Is Ray Donaldson, does he still live here? I don't know. I thought somebody told me that Ray Donaldson, I, I got to look. I, I'm pretty sure that somebody told me that Ray Donaldson, I thought he lived in the Atlanta area and owned a bunch of Wendy's. But then again, I'm like, did somebody, uh, am I hallucinating? Did somebody tell me that he? I wouldn't mind owning some Wendy's. <laughs> When's the last time you ate at Wendy's? Uh, Rosie and I went probably a month and a half ago. Okay, here's a, a great... Semi-regret, is, but the chicken nuggets were still out. Here's there. another great summer question for you, which I'll get to in a second after I said to everybody, good morning to you on a Friday, which feels like a Wednesday, but it is a Friday. Weekend is here. Long work week is behind us now, and a sun splash morning this morning, so good morning to you. We have a lot to talk about, including big news from the Pacers yesterday, announcing... Not one, but two, officially announcing Bruce Brown Jr. as a member of the Pacers. Then later in the day, announcing the transaction of Obi Toppin. Announcing and showing the signing and the extension of Tyrese Halliburton, who we will hear from today. I got a chance to go over there yesterday and had a couple of interesting things happen over the course of that. So we'll get into plenty of that this morning. Uh, and we'll also talk to a writer from New York about Obi Toppin and the player that the former lottery pick that the Pacers will be getting 
to add to their roster for next year. Um, but Kevin, here's my question. You're driving on the interstate. You're with the family. You're coming back from your trip in Michigan. You're really hungry. I mean, you're really hungry. You pull off. You're like, here's an exit. It's got everything. You pull off, and it's a Sunday, so Chick-fil-A is closed, so they're off the board. Every major fast food restaurant is at this exit. Tell me the one that you are most likely to go through, and tell me the one that you're like, how is that place still in business? Yeah, Wendy's would probably be near the top of the list, if not at the top. I I would say Taco Bell, but then I worry about what the next couple hours of the drive would would be like. (laughs) Okay, fair. Um, I'm not a big Arby's guy. See, I I could do some Arby's. But maybe it's just because I see the roast beef, and I'm like, do I really want that as a fast food restaurant? Fair. Those curly fries. Those curly fries are pretty dangerous. Out of this world, though. I get there are other avenues there that you can certainly pursue, but Wendy's without question. Okay, Mark? I think I go Taco Bell. So what's the one... I like rolling the dice. What's the the one that you're like, who in the world is going through that drive-thru? Because there are two here for me. And I'm not saying they're bad places, but I always wonder how hard... Like, have you ever driven past a Hardee's and seen a line wrapped around it? No. Ever? Like, it's like... And then the other one, they're, they're going by the wayside. They're becoming more of an extinct animal in the wild. But when I was a kid, and this is back before we knew the dangers of, like, cholesterol. And I, when I was a kid, there, Long John Silver's was everywhere. And oh, I like Long John Silver's, uh, right? No chance at hell. But I've never, t- <laughs> never had Long John Silver's. Never one. I, I've got a buddy that's doing a coffee table book of pictures of of reincarnated Long John Silver buildings, and they're calling it Long John Silvers. I think you're going to say reincarnated fish sandwiches from Long John well, Silvers. I do. I, I mean, the fact that they would sell like the extra crispies, which is basically just like <laughs> fried grease, is like, okay. But I I can't tell you the, time I had, the last time I had some fish planks, but I think it was actually 90% horse laxative. You know, I was in a gas station a couple Boy, weeks ago. And, you know, there are some gas stations around that I think you could walk in there and you could find a decent lunch. And I'm not talking about the rolling like egg roll or the hot dog that's in there. So I I go in there. I'm looking for like a little Caesar wrap and I find it. This guy comes up to me. What was his name? Maybe Jeff. He's a cop over at Lily. Introduces himself. Says he loves listening to the show. He goes, I'm not going to tell your wife that you're buying lunch at a gas station. I'm like, well, geez, that's got a negative connotation to it here. Russ, do you want to hand me that sandwich from a gas station? Like caught so you at the Red Garter sandwich from a gas station. Exactly. And to be fair, Mark, it was a gas station somewhat close to the Red Garter oh. on the other side Actually, of, is of it, Lucas Oil Stadium. Is it Rickers or Get-Go? I think it's Get-Go, technically speaking, that has like pretty good sandwiches, well, right? Well, Casey's General Store, really good. Good pizza, right? Um, but uh, yeah, I'm like, dude, I'm buying a Caesar wrap. Don't, I mean... <laughs> Right. It's not like I'm over here, you know. Let's well, get the six Doritos for. You, you do kind of wonder, like, how long that Caesar wrap's been there, right? Know, like, no. actually, it was there since Caesar. It it, it, it tasted decently <laughs> on that end. Uh, tonight, if you are a fan of Indiana University basketball, you've got some appointment television. Assuming Trace Jackson Davis is going to give it a go, we'll see about that hamstring injury. Uh, but the summer league underway, I think, in earnest, really tonight. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I think you get Jaden Ivey and Trayvon Williams. Trayvon Williams with the Timberwolves. They both uh, have games in the afternoon, kind of late afternoon, coming up the next couple of days. But Jalen Huchifino versus Trace Jackson Davis, that is scheduled to tip around 11 o'clock tonight on ESPN. And I thought I heard this correctly. 
I think Michael Grady is on the call of Victor Webanyama and Brandon Miller tonight. How about the Victor Webanyama situation with Britney Spears? So what happened there? Britney like tried okay. To- so Victor Webanyama is in Las Vegas. He's walking into I don't know if it's a hotel or whatnot. Britney Spears is there, sees him, tries to get his attention, makes contact with him. His security people react to it by depending on who you ask, kind of backhand or slapping her. Webamyama claims that he grabbed her or that she grabbed him basically in the butt. She claims that she tried tapping him on the shoulder. Now, <laughs> what a what a story. Here, here's maybe she the, thought it was his shoulder because he's seven six. Well, so see, maybe, that's the thing. I'm like, and yeah, she I mean, she in her she offered a very, <clears throat> quite frankly, I thought a, a really good explanation. I mean, she was like, look, I I was at dinner. I saw a guy that I knew was a professional athlete. I wanted to congratulate him on his success because he's become a big star. And I tried to tap him on the shoulder, and she and she did say this, which I will give her credit. This does make sense. She's like, look, no one over the last 20 years has been more ambushed by the general public out in public than me. And I have my own security. I've never seen them strike anybody or, like, be physical with them. She's like, so I, I know what it's like to have people, strangers coming up and approaching you. So I do have a decorum and un- understanding of that that is pretty indisputable that that she would no one that is true i mean there are i shouldn't say no one there are few people in the last quarter century in a public environment that would have more bees swarming around them than britney spears right however she and then she said she's like there was no need to get physical with me i'm only five foot three and he's seven foot six or seven foot five whatever he is in that capacity it's like well it had to have been tough for her to tap him on the shoulder he's two and a half feet taller than she is i don't know what her wingspan is yeah did she have a you know step stool but the amazing thing though regardless of all of that the amazing thing about it is i mean victor webb and yama i realize right now is becoming probably a household name but is there anybody in the last there are obviously a handful but guys, let's be real. I, there are few people that are more internationally famous than Britney Spears, right? That like, I mean, I, the fact that Britney Spears would just be in the lobby of a casino or a hotel in Las Vegas and like no one would realize that's who it is. Is this life for Britney now? Like, is she doing the Vegas thing? That is a good question. I She's doing apparently like Instagram videos and panties thing because I... Whoa. There you go. Me, excuse me, Mark. Woo! Man. Did you not see that the other day? She like she posts oh, yeah. like in her house. She does. These Can't dances. say I saw that. No. Did you, Mark? You did, right? Put a little heart next to it. Yeah. Uh, so I had to join the Instagram world to get on this threads, and I said to Shannon, "I go, why is Britney Spears all over my Instagram thing?" And she goes, "Will you follow her?" <laughs> I don't follow Britney Spears. She follows me on Twitter, and which I think that's one of those like follow follow back things, but. No, that, that's that, what you think, Mark. Maybe, maybe do you want me to follow maybe her? She on likes Twitter? my wrestling hot takes. I don't. I was going to say maybe she's got like, a special like connection. Does. Britney Spears follows you on Twitter. Uh huh. Do you think Britney Spears is like getting up in the morning and checking her timeline and like, oh, does Mark had something to say? This fellow's got some great ideas. That's why I assume she's. There's got to be an element for Web and Yama. It's like, oh my God, is this my life now? Like he's answering questions about Britney Spears yesterday. I, I mean, yes, that is his life now, right? 
Tonight at 9 o'clock, Brandon Miller versus Victor Webanyama, the Pacers Summer League debut. Tomorrow night, that will be against the Wizards. We'll see how many games guys like Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nemhard play. Uh, obviously, Jairus Walker, Ben Shepard, Isaiah Jackson. I think there are always some intriguing storylines with the Summer League roster and the Pacers have that. Uh, how was the press conference yesterday, Jake? It was good. So they, a couple of things here. Pacers yesterday have the press conference to announce Tyrese Halliburton's extension and to introduce the local media and, and some people with the Pacers organization to Bruce Brown. I had some time to kill between work here, which we're on Monument Circle, obviously, and the field house. So I was kind of walking around downtown. I went into the mall and I'm in one of the sporting goods stores in the mall. Circle Center Mall, and I'm in there talking to the clerk. I mean, we're just kind of, you know, I'm just kind of looking around, and a woman comes in with a gentleman, and she says, do you guys sell Desmond Bain jerseys? And the guy goes, uh, no, from the Grizzlies? She goes, yeah, do you sell Desmond Bain jerseys? And the guy says, no, I, 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 we don't. And she says, well, why not? He's from Indiana. And I said, yeah, he's from like, I go, it's amazing. I don't know how many people realize that because he went to this tiny high school in Richmond. And she says, oh, yeah, I know. He's my son. Really? Really nice lady. Wow. Does she live here? She lives here. So Desmond Bain's sisters went to Lawrence North. Huh. Um, And... Jack Kiefer could have pulled that off. Amazing, right? And so she, I think actually once he got to the league, she moved from Richmond to Indianapolis. But she said that... Um, well, Indy to Fort Worth flight a little bit easier for her. Well, she said... Yeah, exactly. And His she TCU said... TCU days, obviously. She said, um, yeah, I'm actually getting ready to move to Memphis at the end of the summer. And she said the only thing that, I'll, that, that really is disappointing about it is I work at TGI Fridays and in uh, Keystone of the Crossing, and she's like, and I absolutely love it. I, I, I tend bar there, and I love the customers and you know whatever else, but that's allowed her, obviously, to be able to watch his games, go to Memphis from time to time. So she said, we are moving to Memphis. My daughters and I are moving to Memphis because Desmond bought us Dylan Brooks' old house. Look at that. <laughs> and I said, well, you might. <laughs> okay. And I go, well, you got you to gotta clean the crazy out of it. And she kind of laughed. And she did say, you know, of all his friends, De- uh, Dylan Brooks was the one that didn't say hi when he would come over, like I, like he like they're in middle school, yeah, <laughs> like uh-huh. hanging out, right. coming over to play video games, whatever. But anyway, so we went to that. Or I mean, I, I did that. Can the Grizzlies not get her. her a jersey? Yeah, for real, right? We then went to, or I, we, I, she didn't go with me. Went over to the field house for the press conference. They they dropped the, they lowered the video boards the way that they set it up the pacers it was pretty cool they had a big table on the floor of the arena they lowered the video board and then they had the video board showing highlights and things like that of the players as they came out and in tyrese halliburton's place uh tyrese halliburton's case they played video a video highlight of him and he walked out and actually stood there and watched it and was smiling the whole time why wouldn't you he just signed a deal to pay him 52 million dollars a year um Got up. If I was nitpicking, the only thing I would nitpick is during the press conference, at one point he said, I did make a promise to my dad that the second that playing basketball started to feel like a job, I would quit. And I thought, ooh, don't don't say that with 
the 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 franchise that had Paul George and Victor Oladipo. Don't say that. But he is a different cat, and I was absolutely wrong when I said, you know, that I had PTSD about Oladipo and Paul George leaving, and wondered about Halliburton. Um, one of the Pacers people told me afterwards, they go, this guy never has a bad day. He literally is like sunshine to every room he walks into. He's just like, he's like uh, Danny Rojas in in Ted Lasso, you know. And I think they hope, obviously, that that becomes infectious. Bruce Brown talked about the fact that Halliburton basically called him right away at free agency and helped recruit him, gave him the elevator pitch, if you will. And the Knicks were the first team that called Bruce Brown? Correct. Um, That'll be an interesting conversation. We have Steve Popper, by the way, coming up at 9 o'clock to talk about Obi Toppin. So I'll be curious to get the Knicks kind of side of it. Because they signed, was it Dante DiVincenzo? Was that there? That's right. I the Big he, splash? Brown just said that he thought the Pacers were the bigger fit, or the better fit for him. Um, but yes, you are correct. You wonder how much, and I don't know how much New York might have offered him. The other thing that I that to me was, that really jumped out at me, that I thought was super cool. And I was actually like kind of starstruck. And I'm not saying that flippantly. I'm being serious. You guys have seen, if you watch, certainly if you watch like game show television, but um, a lot of syndicated television, there are a lot of commercials, almost like infomercials that run for Shriners Hospital. Have you seen, you know, the commercial with the the young patient from Shriners Hospital that's always talking about how you can give to Shriners and the importance of it? And that young patient is a kid from Chicago. I say kid, he's a young man now. When that video was done, he was 16, I believe, and his name is Alec. And we're sitting there, and I look over, and I'm like, that looks like the kid from the Shriners commercial. And I'm, I'm looking around, and I'm like, I, I swear that is the kid from the Shriners commercial who's sitting over with the Pacers staff. So I inquired about it, and they're like, yeah, he interns for the Pacers. Um, Alec goes to Northwestern University now in Chicago and is interning for the summer with the Pacers in the digital department. And I and I don't know if he's going to be here in studio, per se, but I, I totally fanboyed on him. As soon as the press conference was over, I immediately beelined over because I wanted to introduce myself and talk to him. And unfortunately, kind of got caught up, and then he ended up leaving. But I made contact with him last night and was like, dude, like I think it's awesome that you live here in Indianapolis. And he's like, yeah, I'm interning with the Pacers. They've been great to me. Nice. So, yeah. And I saw Mark Boyle also reached out to him. But um, he is an aspiring sports broadcaster is cool. what he wants to do for a living. So interning for the digital department for the Pacers, pretty good start to that. But it was a good day yesterday. Uh, it was a good day for the organization, for the Pacers, for certain. Yeah, obviously. Um, the We're still waiting on Obi Toppin announcement. Nothing from the Pacers on that end. The Chris Duarte trade became official yesterday, so the roster spots are now available to um, make an announcement on the Obi Toppin thing, but it sounds like a few kind of eyes to dot and, and T's across there on that end. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll play some of that audio as Jake was over there yesterday. Getting some one-on-one sound with Tyrese Halliburton and Bruce Brown Jr. I know we brought this up a little bit yesterday, but I got into a rabbit hole late last night about it. And part of it is just, it fascinates me, the Major League Baseball draft. Again, round one of the Major League Baseball draft is this Sunday. We talked about yesterday, Max Clark from Franklin High School is, by all accounts, going to be a top five pick. He will become the second highest Indiana high school player to be drafted directly into the Major League Baseball draft um, when that happens on Sunday night. I was reading something where the Pirates have the number one pick, and this probably is more of how Major League Baseball screwed up from a finance standpoint. And they were saying that 
there is a chance. I don't think it's like a great, great chance, but it is at least a thought by the Major League Baseball mock draft, you know, pundits out there that the Pirates could take Max Clark one because they feel like his signing bonus would not be at the level that the, I think there's two studs from LSU that the LSU players would demand as the number one overall pick. Can you imagine having the number one pick and having the finances of it weigh into your decision? I mean, that's what I'm saying. And I know we've gotten like an Eli Manning storyline and, you know, we've had these, you know, obviously John Elway, like it's not totally foreign, but I feel like this is almost a semi-annual thing with Major League Baseball teams, particularly smaller market teams of like, oh yeah, we can't really afford to give him that full signing bonus, so we're going to try and, you know, pay him this amount of money, and then with our second round pick, we'll have more pool of money, and we'll be able to give the signing bonus to that guy a little bit more to potentially sign a college guy with that second pick. It all is very confusing to me, but basically, this guy that I was reading, I think it was Keith Law, um, he thinks that it's not like a slam, slam dunk that Max Clark is like the fourth pick or the fifth pick. He's like, there is a chance. It's not a great chance, but there is a chance he could go number one overall. What number pick in the Major League Baseball draft? You know how in the NFL draft there's Mr. Irrelevant? And Mr. Irrelevant's always what, like the, what number pick is it? Like 252, something like that? Yeah, something around there. What number pick is the final pick of the Major League Baseball draft? How many picks are there? Do we know? Yeah, I mean, I guess how many rounds? I mean, what what is it, 30, 40? Is it more than that? I think it's 20 rounds, I believe. Is that what it is now? I so thought they've shortened it a little I bit. I thought Mike Piazza 20 was rounds with 18 players drafted in each round along with compensation picks. So 360. Right. So 18 uh, that so only 18 teams picking around plus the comp picks? Yeah, I don't I don't know how that works. That, I don't so think that's right because wasn't fan. Mike Mike Piazza and I know that they probably have shortened it over the years, right? It says the number of MLB picks varies each year. In 2022, a total of 620 players were selected from 20 MLB draft yeah. rounds with 18 players drafted in each round along with compensation okay. picks. Mike Piazza in the 1988 draft was the 1,390th player picked. So they've shortened He was drafted time. in the 62nd round. Can you imagine who in the hell you're drafting in the 62nd round? Yeah, that sounds miserable trying to follow that. <laughs> I mean, can you? And there, there are probably some doinks out there during the 1988 Major League Baseball draft. If social media had existed in round 61, they're like, I can't believe they didn't take the center fielder from Louisiana Tech. I like his range much more so than this idiot from Illinois State. I remember reading a story one time on Mike Trout, and he was a first round pick out of high school, out of New Jersey, and. I forget the number of Major League Baseball teams, but there are a number, or I should say there were a number, that literally have a draft rule that you do not draft a high school prep player from the Northeast with the first, like, three rounds. Yeah, that worked out well if you passed on Trout for that reason, right? And it's just kind of, again, the Major League Baseball draft to me is beyond a crapshoot. It is such a wild thing. And the fact that Franklin High School is about to produce a top five pick, potentially the number one overall pick, I, it is amazing to think that. And a kid that played other sports, as we've talked about, which is fun, right? I saw the comp was a higher end Johnny Damon was what I read for Max Clark. I mean, that's a pretty good player, right? 
What's more complicated, the MLB draft and like Rule Five draft and International League draft and all that stuff, or NBA like compensation? I, and that, how that works? That would, easily the MLB yeah. draft. Oh really? Well, I oh think my the gosh, NBA is it's so crazy. confusing. How about like the? I mean, imagine us sitting here being like, yeah, the Colts might take Anthony Richardson, but he might require too much of a signing bonus, so maybe they're going to go with Will Levis instead. Well, because we talked he's about be whether or not Will Levis bonus. was going to be an, impacted by the fact he puts mayo in his coffee. For like three weeks we talked about it, right? See, and, and NBA with the whole mid-level exception and I, I think, know, all that stuff. That, I think that the NFL compensatory picks after the fact and figuring out what you get for that is weird, right? Yeah, but that's it's a little bit somewhat explainable of like, it depends on if you sign more free agents or if the outgoing free agents sign more money elsewhere. Like, yes, there are all levels of confusion, but nothing confuses me more than the Major League Baseball draft. I mean, again, I'm literally reading a mock draft yesterday that is dependent on a high school kid and the signing bonus he's going to sign versus the LSU kid and how much he's going to demand after three years there of playing college baseball. So uh, that's coming up Sunday evening if you're looking for something to end the weekend with. Uh, Tony East can join us. Mark, is that 8.30 for him? 8.30 for Tony East. So he was over there yesterday. I think there is a particular item from yesterday that, in my opinion, is the biggest news of the day, and it's great news for the Pacers fans. We'll touch on that here coming up. Again, Jake's audio with Tyrese Halliburton and Bruce Brown Jr. We'll play some of that as well and get into Obi Toppin with Steve Popper, who covers the Knicks in the 9 o'clock hour. Good Friday morning to you. It looks glorious outside. I thought the walk to the car was a little bit less steamy than it has been the last couple of days, so maybe a little bit of uh, more manageable temperatures than what we've dealt with the past couple of days. Good Friday morning to you, and thanks for tuning in. Kevin Aquari right here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. We'll begin with sad news this morning in the morning check down. Johnny Cooks, the number two overall selection in the 1982 NFL draft, who started 74 games in, or started 74 of 83 games for the Colts. When they came over from Baltimore, he had 11 and a half sacks in 1984. He was a member of the all-rookie team in 1983. Johnny Cooks, it was announced by Jim Irsay yesterday, passing away at the age of 64, the cause of death was uh, not determined or not announced, I should say. And he is a legend within Mississippi State football as a linebacker. So Godspeed to Johnny Cooks. Uh, when you look at Major League Baseball from yesterday... The Don't schedule, look now, but here come the Red Lakes. Thank you, Mark. We, we talked about this yesterday. You literally watch the Reds and they do something different, entertaining, however you want to define it, seemingly night in, night out. Yesterday was an afternoon game. Nick Senzel, two-run homer in the 10th. They hold on in the bottom of the 10th. That is a sweep of the Nationals. You know what that uh, means? Two- Nick sends L to Nationals. That would be my... That would be my headline if I was a headline. Two games up on the Brewers. They are now 10 games above 500. Imagine telling the Reds, telling any Reds fan, uh, yeah, uh, after July 4th, your team's going to be 10 games above 500. Doesn't it feel like, Kevin, like at what point are we going to say, okay, they are for real? This is not like a. A hot streak fluke. Well, I think there are some questions on is the NL Central the AFC South? Yeah. And the the pitching is certainly the a starting question. pitching is an issue. It's a little bit banged up. 
you know, how hot can these bats stay? Obviously, yesterday the score was a little bit um, smaller than it typically is, but uh, still, the impressive run for the Reds continue. White Sox lose a doubleheader to the Blue Jays both games. Cubs lose 6-5 to the Brewers. Uh, Tigers 9-0 over my A's. Cardinals get a W. Uh, Indianapolis Seem Indians to be missing two big scores. Three-two mm-hmm. over count. Memphis. There, cute fellow, fourteen-one over the Yankees, and the Diamondbacks were blanked by the Mets, nine nothing. Where does that put us in our race for PPR? Well, you're Mark? still leading. Is that the Mayo plot, Mark? <laughs> it should be. Every time my Diamondbacks have a chance to catch Jake's Orioles, they just they can't do it. I can name one player on my team. Can either of you name a player on the Diamondbacks or? Orioles? Oh, I can name a few of them. I've got. Uh, I've got. Ketel Marte. I've got Lourdes Gurriel. Jake fiercely typing. I, I am. His Orioles roster. Oh, Orioles, you got Anthony Santander. You've got Manny Machado. Austin Hayes. Gunther Eddie Murray. Henderson. Huh? Eddie Murray. I don't think he's playing. No, I don't think so. Cal Ripken. Yeah. Billy Ripken. Mark, that was impressive. I play fantasy baseball. I know these things. Do you really? Uh-huh. Insert the nerd sound there. Who is the starting catcher for the Baltimore Orioles? Oh, that's the. Uh, I know who it is too. It's going to drive me crazy. They only have two on the roster. I know. I'm would blanking. it be James McCann, or would it be Adley Rutschman? Oh, it's Adley Rutschman. Any relation to Brian McCann? Uh, Adam Frazier. Mm-hmm. Is that former Indianapolis Indian, former yep. Pirate? I think uh-huh. that is. Yes. Uh, Gunnar Henderson. I told you. Aaron Hicks. Mm-hmm. Austin Hayes. Cedric Mullins. Cedric Mullins is great. All of them encompassed as the cute fellow, by the way. Uh, tonight, you're going to have the fever in action in the nation's capital. They're trying to end a five-game losing streak. And then out in Vegas, we'll get Summer League underway with the Vegas run. Again, Victor Webinyama makes his debut 9 o'clock. I believe Michael Grady is on the call for that one. After that game, uh, if Trace Jackson Davis is healthy... And going to give it a go. It'll be Jalen Hood, Shafino, and the Lakers against Trace Jackson Davis and the Warriors. If you're looking for the Pacers' first summer league game, that would be tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. I think it's ESPN 2, if I saw that correctly. That's correct. Against Washington. Uh, And then next week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So four summer league games on the docket for the Pacers coming up here. Every other night, beginning Saturday, uh, and then uh, ESPN two. Don't Mark you Tyson assume that confirmed. Victor Wembanyama has to say to his security people, "Like, wait a minute, did you guys not realize that was Britney Spears trying to come up and talk to me?" Honestly, and this is not to like absolve, you know, hitting a woman. I, mean, I don't know. Is it been reported that that they hit Britney Spears? I I, I don't think that they like. I, I I saw video, like kind of grainy video from afar. I don't know that they intended to hit her. I think it was more like a kind of a flurry and like a like a push back in someone's arm made contact with her. I, I mean, think. can you imagine the Spurs security meeting about Webanyama? Like, okay, we have literally the most hyped NBA individual in the last two decades uh, coming to our organization. His first game is going to be in Vegas. Uh, we need to act like he's the president of the United States. Yeah, but I mean. Because like the first time you like screw that up, now all of a sudden the Webinyama camp's like, dude, what the hell? Yeah, I, 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 the whole thing is weird for certain. I, it is very surreal to think that there would be any situation where Britney Spears has to like push her way through a secure. Britney Spears doesn't have her own security with her. Yeah, you would think that could have been an, an organized meeting. 
<laughs> you would think. Hey, Victor, I don't know if you saw my panty Instagram, but here I am. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, Britney Spears is, Whoa! and I realize she's probably 15 to 20 years passe. I get that. And, and there have been a lot of kind of sad things about her in the news for yourself but i mean britney spears is still one of the five to ten most recognizable or discussed entertainers in the, on the planet is she not I, again i know that her music and things like that are not still current but she still is i mean britney spears sends out like one instagram video and like 55 million people like it or whatever i mean i i, I really is she just she's just walking through to go get herself some Swedish fish from the candy cafe in the lobby of the casino and sees Victor Webmanyama. I, I mean, really? Swedish fish is overrated. Ooh. No, uh, I agree ooh. with Kevin there. Ooh. More than Tyrese Halliburton's well, words, there was an action from him and I guess his team <laughs> yesterday I think speaks louder that Pacers fans have got to be uh, feeling pretty good about that. We'll play some of Jake's audio on the other side of Tyrese Halliburton and Bruce Brown Jr. Kevin Aquera here on a gorgeous Friday. All right, 746 here on a Friday. Coming up, Tony East around 830 to talk Pacers as they, uh, I believe, are in Vegas already. Their first game coming up tomorrow night in the Vegas Summer League. A little bit more on Obi Toppin at 9 o'clock. Did not see Toppin get introduced yesterday by the Pacers. Uh, Still a few hurdles to clear and just making that official. The Chris Duarte trade to the Kings did become official. So I think that was one of the steps needed to get to the top of news, so we'll uh, continue to wait on official word with that. But Jake, you were over there yesterday, Tyrese Halliburton and Bruce Brown Jr. press conferences. Correct. Uh, Began with Bruce Brown Jr. We'll play some of that audio at a different time, but for Tyrese Halliburton, who, of course, gets the maximum contract, that means five years he will be inked to stay with the Pacers at an average, if all bonuses are hit, of $52 million per year. More on that in a second. But let's begin with this. Um, I had said, and I don't think I'm the only one, we had Tyrese Halliburton on when he was on his way to the All-Star game, and I remember asking him this, and he said, look, I'm very aware of it. Um, I had said on this show and other places that based on precedent, I had concern that basketball would become secondary for Tyrese Halliburton and the brand of Tyrese Halliburton would outgrow Indianapolis, the the wanting to get into fashion and doing a fashion line and things like that. And that was always my hesitation. And yet, as the Pacers explained yesterday, this guy is just seemingly different. And I think that when he was traded – by Sacramento, I think it opened his eyes to two things. Number one, the business of basketball. And number two, as he said, he is a loyalty guy. So he felt a loyalty to Indianapolis and to the Pacers organization. But I got a chance to talk to him afterwards, recorded the the audio from it. And the first thing that I wanted to do, uh, Jim Reamer, for example, who reamed me for questioning Tyrese Halliburton's commitment long-term to Indiana. Uh, I was absolutely wrong in those statements and so wanted to make sure that he was aware of that and also get Halliburton to expand upon why, in fact, Indiana is where he is going to be for the next half decade. Here's that conversation. 
I'm sure you're aware of this because I've asked you about it, so I probably should apologize for it, but there was almost a PTSD with Pacer fans here of when the guy seems to be the franchise guy that they're going to outgrow the brand. They're going to move on. Why are you different? I think I, I think I am the, I think I am the brand. I'm part of the brand. You know, I think that's the biggest thing for me is I'm helping build this culture, and this is a franchise that I want to be a part of, and something that I want to change. You know, when I got traded here, they've allowed me to put my imprint on everything that goes on here, everything, and that means more to me than anything is that I'm a part of something that's bigger than me, and I think you know moving forward, hopefully 20, 30 years from now, um, you know, I hope that you know my name in the rafters I, I hope that i've accomplished things that people in this organization never have um i have the i have the opportunity to be one of the best players in this organization's history and that means the world to me jake i've um i could be proven wrong at some point but i've never had a worry about halliburton and his desire to want to be here i think actions speak louder than any of those words and those words are great and uh, unfortunately they are words and pull up softball game audio from Paul George unfortunately those words meant nothing uh, with his actions but to me the action from yesterday that was confirmed and Tony East will chat about this here coming up at 830 that says a whole lot to me about Tyrese Halliburton wanting to be here long term you look at this contract the extension kicks in next year okay Um, so it's a five year extension that will begin this deal has zero player option on the deal Tyrese Halliburton has created an opportunity for himself that if he wanted a player option with this contract, he easily could have asked slash demanded that to be on the contract. And yet he has said, no, 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 I'm going to sign a contract and it's going to be a full commitment to being here in Indiana. Think about a Bradley Beal no trade clause. Think about player options with Damian Lillard. Insert all your players around the NBA that have all-star status. Halliburton said, no, I'm good. I don't need a player option. And again, it's actions like that that I think is kind of the cherry on top of Halliburton's words. And you watch his family interact, how much they mean to him, the Midwest ties. I brought it up yesterday. And I I think it's somewhat relevant. Maybe some people don't. Arguably the two biggest agent marketing people in Tyrese Halliburton's ear on a daily basis, they both went to Indiana University. So they both have Midwest ties. And typically, those are the types of people you would think of like, hey, push it, push it to the big city. You know, push you a little bit more to that brand. So Halliburton's words, yes. But the actions of no player option on that contract, the actions of how he interacts with his family, how much he loves to be in the city of Indianapolis. Yeah, he gets doses of L.A. in during the summer. Um We'll see how the next six years obviously unfold because a lot can change and the Pacers have got to do their part. But right now, um, I feel very good about Tyrese Halliburton here long term. Well, you mentioned the Indiana connection and just the Midwestern feel and his upbringing. Here is Tyrese Halliburton yesterday to me on his comfort level of being in Indianapolis and not say Bright Lights, Big City. Yeah, I think I think it's easy for me. Uh, me, my girlfriend, my family, we've all grown up in an area like, like Indiana. You know, honestly smaller where I grew up. But um, I don't really, I don't really like die for more than that you know what i mean i'm a homebody i don't really leave the house much like i play my i play the game i watch basketball i chill with my dog like we sit in the house you know so um i don't really have a thirst for that in my summers i spend in la and i get my little change of pace but that's good in doses that's not good long term so uh i kind of like the the chill aspect of it 
Now, the question is the chill aspect of Indianapolis when it comes to, as we saw with Bruce Brown Jr., who said that Tyrese Halliburton called, gave him the elevator pitch. Does Tyrese Halliburton, I asked him, now feel the responsibility, and does he believe that his brand, that he used that term earlier, will be able to lure other players to come to the, quote, chill aspect of Indianapolis? Uh, I hope that it's accurate. Um, I hope that guys want to come to play with me. Um, I think that, you know, Bruce alluded to, a little, to it a little bit, but, you know, when free agency started, you know, I called him and had a com- good conversation with him. Um, for, did you instigate that or did they ask you to call him? No, no, no. I instigated that. I instigated that. They told me that they had interest, um, but uh, we have the same agency, so just got his number from my agent and gave him a call. Uh, gave my little elevator pitch on how he could help us and how I could help him and how he could help me. So, um, you know, I think that's just one, one, um, one. Uh, what's the one for? I'm looking for like an like you see it right there, right? That's like one example. One example. There it is. Yeah, uh, one example of it. And um, you know, I hope that I'm able to do that moving forward. And I hope guys want to come play with me. Kevin, that's exactly how it worked when I was trying to get this job. Um, you contacted your agent who called my agent and then you said like hey would you want to do the morning show and then boom here we are yeah something along those lines there (laughs) yeah that sounds exactly how it uh, unfolded so should the headline be nba free agent chooses indianapolis over new york city for bruce brown yeah because bruce brown said he got two calls right and the knicks were the first call right the knicks were the first call the pacers were the second and it didn't go further than that thought Rick Carlisle had some interesting comments as well from yesterday we can hit on those play more of the Halliburton audio I know I've brought this up before, and maybe it's a bit premature, but yesterday we got official word that Tyrese Halliburton will be on Team USA coming up in August as they head to the Philippines for the World Cup. The other members of that team, Paulo Boncaro, Mikhail Bridges, Jalen Brunson, Anthony Edwards, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Jaron Jackson Jr., Cam Johnson, Walker Kessler, Bobby Portis, Austin Reeves. Uh, Jake, I look at that list and think, boy, those are two or three names that are on similar age timelines as Tyrese Halliburton. If a good impression is made there, hmm. It's like I said, hmm. man. Hmm. A lot of times those hmm. rosters take place in hotels and dorms, right? Damian Lillard has made it clear his relationship with Bam Adebayo is a big reason why Miami could be the landing spot for him. So we'll play more of that Halliburton audio coming up here in the 8 o'clock hour. There's one thing that Halliburton now has in common with Drew Bledsoe. And I asked about it, and I thought it was a fun answer. That, among other answers from him next. I guess Indianapolis is Paradise City now for Tyrese Halliburton, right? Certainly the commas and zeros help, right? Boy, you ain't kidding, man. I've told the story before, Kevin, but I'll repeat it quickly for those that have not heard it, about my favorite story about players and contracts and things like that was Drew Bledsoe. When he was drafted as the number one overall pick in, I believe, the 93 draft to the New England Patriots. And I saw an interview with him years later where they somebody asked him what it was like to be the number one overall pick. And he said, Oh man, you know, I had all my guys that I grew up with that we would always, you know, they'd come over to my parents' house and we'd play foosball in the basement, you know, just whatever guys do with their high school buddies. And he said, So I had them all over shortly after the draft, right after I signed my contract. And they were all sitting around playing foosball, you know, kind of reliving their their middle school years, if you will. And one of them's like, "Call your bank account on on the back then when you had pre cell phone days, on on speak put on speakerphone." So they would call it and then do the automated. Your current balance is twelve million eight hundred, and they're like, "Ah!" 
And then he said, literally, like five minutes it's later, like a another scene of Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> another guy in the group's like, "Call it again, call it again." They just kept doing it like all night, right? Which I loved. I mean, there's a level of fun to that. So with Tyrese Halliburton, I got to thinking about it, and I thought, you know what? Theoretically, and, and we're going on the average here, I realize, and there are bonuses that I have to kick in, so it's not literally realistically this, but theoretically, a $52 million per year contract, assuming that he gets paid biweekly like most people do, that means that every two weeks... Now, now, run the numbers on this, okay? Literally, that comes out to $2 million every two weeks, right? So what's the percentage that would be taken out in taxes on that? And I'm, I'm sure somebody, like, when I say the percentage, people are going to be like, you're an idiot. Well, what's the annual that he's making? You said 50 what? $52 million. I thought someone already did this on Twitter, and I thought it came down to $17 million he'll make annually once you take out all the taxes. Well, and agent fees and agent everything Agent fees, else, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So $17 million for him annually? I, I believe that's what I saw, yeah. Now that seems low, doesn't it? Well, I mean, agent fees and 401k stuff. and Well, f- okay. I, I mean, I'm... So $52 million, the agent probably gets 7%, right? God, is it that high? So, you know, now you're down to, let's say, 48.5. Taxes out of that would be what? I, I don't even know. I, 38%? Is that right? I'm going conservatively here. I have no idea. I'm sure that people on the fourth floor would know exactly, right? That's 30. So, yeah, I mean, you're probably right. But let's just say, anyway, for the sake of argument, I thought to myself, good Lord, like, you imagine every two weeks checking your balance and there's another $1.4 million deposited into your account? And I asked Tyrese Halliburton, I'm like, dude, I've run the numbers like a billion times. Like, what's that going to look like to be able to sit there every two weeks and pull up your bank account and realize the direct deposit and... This is what I love about it. He wasn't like, oh, man. He, he basically was like me or you. He's like, I know. It's unbelievable. Here he is. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. But I'm you're going to check, I'm aren't a, you? Yeah, hell yeah. I'm excited to find out. Uh, um, it's going to be like that first time it hits him. Like, oh, my God. But uh, I think whenever anybody puts these numbers out, like how much I'll make per minute, how much I'll make you know, per hour, per game, all that stuff, it's always crazy. Um, but I don't know. That's not where my focus is at. I think that that's going to take care of itself. But I'm really excited about it. So you found the breakdown, Mark? Because what do we do on this program, Mark? We educate and entertain. That's right. So Andrew Petcash, which says he's breaking down in the business of well, athletes and NIL. Petty Cash, if that's his, if this is what he does. Uh, it says, here's a breakdown of Tyrese Halberton's five-year, $207 million contract extension with the Pacers. Here's how much he'll actually earn. $41.4 million salary. Well, this is before the bonuses. Right. Because so, he's got to make all NBA, which I don't think right. is like a slam dunk he's going to do I, I that. I mean, that. you would hope, but I mean, that's top 15 player in the league. Right. So it says minus... Fifteen point three million for federal tax, four point one million for NBA escrow, one point two million for an agent fee, nine hundred seventy one thousand for FICA and Medicare, six hundred ninety thousand for a jock tax, six hundred fifty two thousand for Indiana tax equals seventeen point seven net income. Still, man, per year, right? Mm-hmm. Rick Carlisle had some interesting comments yesterday, and I think Rick is really candid in these moments, and certainly has a great pulse of. You know where things were at organizationally when they made that trade for Halliburton. Rick said yesterday, like we were in a dark place as a franchise before that trade of needing life, needing direction, needing identity, 
could not agree more with Rick Carlisle on all of those comments. Particularly, I would I would throw in the word modern identity. I think their identity was an archaic one from a roster building standpoint. But that is so spot on. And, and with the Chris Duarte trade taking place yesterday, I mean, when you look at where you were at from a franchise standpoint, you know your previous four first round draft picks, none of them, none of them had even sniffed a second contract with the team. Like that is recipe for disaster for an NBA franchise. And it's why you are sitting here going into this season without, you know, having anybody on your team that, you know, makes notable, notable modern 2023 money in the NBA, why you haven't won a playoff game in, you know, five years in a series in nine years. Like more than just Halliburton as a player, you just needed direction. And that is exactly what Halliburton has provided you and has given you now hope and given you a real opportunity to build something. Um, and I thought there was a moment yesterday, and Jake, I know you were there, where you know Halliburton turned to Rick Carlisle during that during that presser, and they had kind of a funny moment of you know six years referencing the contract extension, and you know saying hopefully a lot more than that. I mean, Halliburton went out of his way a couple times to be like, "I want another contract here," right? And again, those are words, and they are words on. July 6th, 2023, and who knows what the hell is going to you know, be there for the Pacers come July 2028, but Halliburton's not an idiot. He doesn't just say that stuff if he doesn't mean it. One of the most famous and beloved lines in contractual sports history of Indianapolis came from Peyton Manning when he was drafted by the Colts and someone asked what he was going to do with his money, and he said, I'm going to earn it. And Tyrese Halliburton is well aware, I think, of that exact responsibility that now comes with being the highest paid athlete professional athlete in the city of indianapolis here's halliburton on living up to the contract 100 percent, 100 because this organization is taking a chance on me they took a chance on me when they traded for me they've taken a chance by signing me this long-term deal um and i think the only way for me to repay that back is to squeeze every ounce of ability that i have and be the best player that i can be so uh, it's really important for me that they don't regret this as as well as uh it's important for me that you know this i don't want this to be my last deal with the pacers you know what i mean i want when these years are up i want to sign up sign again you know and do this again so i'm really excited about it you know, Halliburton's a fabulous player. He, I think the Pacers are going to play at a much faster pace. Kevin Pritchard pointed out, um, you know, there's some weird cybermetric stat of players in terms of like transition scoring in the top three in the league. And I don't remember the exact term of the stat, but it has to do with translation of pace in an offensive set and and scoring efficiency within a faster pace. And the top three players in the league last year and said stat are Tyrese Halliburton, Bruce Brown Jr., and Obi Toppin. But the reality is, Kevin, the one area that the Pacers most need to bolster from a year ago is defense, right? And Bruce Brown Jr. obviously is a guy that that is going to be a staple with that. I think Aaron Neesmith, again, a a guy that can guard on the wing. But Brown, as we'll hear more, and we'll probably play more of it on Monday, discussed with me the fact that he loves that mentality of being the, the, the dog that's turned loose on the best player of 
another team, and he didn't always get that chance in Denver and is excited about that chance in Indiana. But Tyrese Halliburton talked about the improved team defense or the hope and expectation of improved defense this coming season for the Indiana Pacers? I think uh, I think it'll be a big improvement. I think it'll be a big improvement. I think that's been the main focus for us all, all summer, all our team workouts. That's been the primary focus, um, you know, for me personally this summer as well. I think that we've had many, many conversations about it since the end of the season, and we're going to continue continue that. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Thanks. Thanks so much. By the way, um, my oh, buddy. That's a cute little exchange there to end it. You liked it? Then you um, said you were going to come over and look at his direct deposit, right? That's right. Hey, I didn't realize he's a huge wrestling fan, too, as I told you, Mark. I know. I have huge. He and I need to have a conversation. He um, is obsessed with wrestling. My buddy Chiefs fan Steve said, wait a minute, what is a jock tax? I would tend to agree with that. What is the jock tax? I mean, I know where my head went, and that's probably not what it's for. Excuse so. me, what the Well, they don't wear jock straps, and they're charging that much for jock straps in the NBA. I doubt it. Did, did you ever wear a jock strap as a kid playing sports? Uh, Little League, yeah. I hated every Did you go with a jock strap or a cup? Cup action. Ooh, boy. As a yeah, that was, uh, I mean, it was it's, never enjoyable. <laughs> your your mobility is a little bit limited, is it not? Well, not only that, well, but if you're running at full speed and something gets pinched, someone not, say I, I'm not going to say. Your mobility of some other things in your body could be really limited. I'm not going to say there. any names, but there was one kid on the Eastwood 1987 eighth grade basketball team whose dad made him wear a full, like, cup. Basketball? In basketball, yeah. There goes your vertical jump no doubt i mean like you're talking serious limitation great athlete though you know carlisle and pritchard yesterday jake they were pretty adamant about that transition thing like that is tyrese's strength and we feel like bruce brown and obi Toppin, that is a strength of theirs as well um you know alongside the defense i think all three of them are represented by the same agency so i think there's some familiarity there i know bruce brown and tyrese halberton weren't super close before this uh I thought something that was interesting, Kevin Pritchard mentioned Bruce Brown related. And I know some of these words people kind of scoff at. But Kevin Pritchard said going into free agency, as an organization, they wrote five kind of words or desires they wanted uh, in making a player acquisition. And those five were toughness, competitive spirit, defensive ability, can play multiple positions, and a winner. And whether it was us having the conversation with Katie Wingy yesterday from the Nuggets, or hell, even a you know inebriated Michael Malone at the Nuggets parade, it seems like Bruce Brown's a guy that checks a lot of those boxes. The jock tax, by the way, for those interested, the jock tax is the common language name for the income tax levied on athletes and other workers associated with sports teams earning money outside of their home states. Yeah, so that means they got to pay taxes in each respective state they play in, right? Correct. But didn't they list like an Indiana tax specifically? Yeah, so I'm curious if, if Indiana is his home, if, if he's registered as an Indiana resident, wouldn't that get rid of the jock tax then? I don't know. Well, what do you mean? Well, it's saying if you're if you're playing outside of your home state. So if you're is that adding up well, every forty one road game yeah, that yeah. you play? Is that what that, it is? That's what it is. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you play in Utah, you pay a Utah tax. You play in New York, you play a New York tax. They probably like playing in the bubble in Orlando because you just had one tax then. Is there even a tax in Orlando? No, there's not. No, not that's Florida. so state income tax not applicable. Right. That's why interesting. That's why you see players that want to play in Houston, Dallas, Miami, Orlando. That's why I, Damian Lillard wants to leave Oregon for Florida. Yeah, I don't know what Oregon's tax is, but I'll bet it's He just wants to pump his own gas. I was gonna say hi, but um are we just getting the uh, Sabonis jersey turned into a Bruce Brown jersey? 
in terms of the what number was Sabonis? Eleven. Eleven. So they're wearing the same jersey number. You know, I felt bad yesterday for Sabonis off of that, Kevin, because when they were talking about that trade, and I know that this is not what they meant at all, and it worked out for, but there are so few times in sports when you look at trades and you say, that worked out for both teams beautifully. And in the case of the Sacramento Kings and the Indiana Pacers, it really did. Sabonis has become a wonderful player in Sacramento. Well, he already was when he got there. And they have extended him. He's gotten a nice contract there, and he is a big piece of what they want to do. It opened things up for De'Aaron Fox, who's a tremendous player. And Halliburton comes here and obviously is able to flourish in Indiana, and it changes the trajectory of the Pacers as well. But when they talked about, like, the dark days of the franchise, and you know, it made it sound like Sabonis was the reason for the dark days, which it wasn't that, obviously. It was just that they had a cog in the wheel of the way they were moving and they needed to go in a different direction in terms of the way that they wanted to play and how they were going to get there. Um, and, and I think that, you know, Halliburton made the comment yesterday he, he was talking about just playing basketball and his parents and, and what his parents have instilled in him and his parents were both there. Yeah, very emotional. He did. When talking about his mom in particular. And he said, I made a promise to my dad that I would quit playing when it became a job. And I mean, I will admit there was part of me that was like, boy, the Pacers better hope they keep keeping him happy. But, but then I talked to people and they're like, no, man, the guy's always happy. Having said all of that, the the thing about like just Halliburton and the contract and everything else, I do think that when and I talked to somebody from the Pacers afterwards about this when he was in Sacramento, I he thought okay, like I'm a guy from Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I'm not a big glitz and glamour guy. I I was a three star recruit coming out of high school. I wasn't even nationally ranked. I was the 31st best point guard in the Midwest when I went to Iowa State. And then I played in Sacramento, which a lot of people would consider like, you know, probably the Indianapolis of the West. The gal in Denver that we talked to yesterday probably doesn't realize that they have electricity in Sacramento. And so he, I think, thought that that was his marriage immediately. And he thought, okay, here I am. I'm I'm with the Kings. This is the franchise where I'm going to grow up. This is where I'm going to place my roots i have the same girlfriend that i had that i met the first week when i arrived in ames iowa and this is where i'm going to be and then they traded him and i think that that trade did two things kevin i think it really hurt tyrese halliburton quite frankly because i think he realized the business of basketball and then i think it but instead of sulking about and they talked about rick carlisle talked about when halliburton was traded here you could see the pain in his face the the disappointment and the hurt of being traded by sacramento but instead of sulking about the fact that sacramento didn't want him in his eyes he focused on the fact that indiana did and he felt that loyalty of, okay, this is the franchise that has said they want me, so boom, let me go ahead and, and put my roots down here. And to your point, Kevin, they are words, but it is encouraging. And it the Pacers feel like a franchise that has hit lightning twice because you draft Paul George and he develops before your very eyes and you're like, oh my gosh, here is a legit franchise player. We know what happened. 
And then you were like, I can't believe the way that they masterfully flipped that into Victor Oladipo, who blossomed before our very eyes, and here they are with a franchise player, and we know what happened. And now here it is, the third time, the third time, and it looks like this time's the charm. Please correct me if I'm wrong, Jake. I think the player option is a huge deal. I, think, I would agree with that. I think the fact that his representation clearly did not demand that, did not, I, I don't know if they wanted it, but I'm sure if they did, they could have made that happen. You know, because that's something, Jake, you can do a little bit under the radar. You know, a press conference is what 90% of fans are going to see. The intricacies of the contract, I guess in today's day and age, in today's climate, I, I would like to think we would inform you if there was a player option on, on the contract. But again, that's not something that you hear on a night-in, night-out basis. Sooner or later, that kind of gets swept under the rug. It's the public comments and the I love Indy and I want to be in the rafters and the Midwest is great and... You know, I'm part of the Pacers brand. Like, all of that is what the headlines and the Instagram reels and the Pacers tweeted out, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact that they decided not to do that, that is a big, big sign to me of right here on July 2023, this is a guy that has real, real desire to be here throughout this contract. And then again, hopefully for another contract after that. And now it's... A little bit in, I guess now two things have to happen. One, he's got to continue to annually be an all-star. And two, the Pacers have to support him. Because I think you could make arguments, Jake. And I know a lot of Pacers fans probably don't want to admit this. But you could make arguments the Pacers let Paul George down too. Oh, totally agree. You're you're right. People don't want to hear that. But totally agree. I mean, it's not like you built something that all of a sudden had stain power with... David West is age, Lance Stevenson going elsewhere. I mean, that core kind of quickly fell apart there. And Paul's injury did not help that. There probably was an element of when Paul got hurt that year, as much as people you know didn't want to admit that at the time, that probably should, should have been a time where the Pacers said, all right, we got to take a big step back right now, look big picture and say, this is a year that it's thrown in the trash. How do we try and find a long-term piece for when Paul to be back healthy that we build something that can rival what we had in 2012 and 2013. What does your hat say that you're wearing? I think it says Larry Legend. Correct. And Larry Bird is Larry Legend. One of the probably 10 greatest players of all time. And he is legend. There are very few, very, very, very few areas where Larry Bird, when it comes to the game of basketball, does not have a 100% feel and understanding. As a player, the thing about Larry Bird that made him one of the great players of all time was he always anticipated what was about to happen as opposed to being captured in what was happening in that moment. The the, the inbound pass against Detroit, you know, he steals the ball and he, he flips it to Dennis Johnson instantly. His passing, his vision were un, unparalleled during his playing years. But the one area as an executive where Larry Bird failed to have that sort of anticipatory vision was when he said about Paul George, Paul, don't make the decisions around here. In today's NBA, yes, he does. And Paul George ended up making that decision. Paul George said, really? You want me to play the power forward and I don't want to play the power forward? And then Larry Bird said, Paul, don't make the decisions around here. And Paul George went, yeah, actually, I kind of do. And in the end, Paul George made that decision. Yesterday, Kevin Pritchard, 
in what I thought was a masterful, brilliant, and underrated move. Kevin Pritchard began the press conference with both Bruce Brown and with Tyrese Halliburton by recognizing by name and thanking all of the people in those two players' respective lives that were there at their press conference. Oh, yeah. I want to thank their agent. I want to thank their parents. I want to oh, thank their girlfriend. Oh, it was great working with their agent. Boy, really totally. grown in this business. Totally. I, I mean, but that is... You got to cater. Because you have to cater. And Kevin Pritchard knows that when it comes down to it and push comes to shove, Tyrese Halliburton makes the decisions around here. Jake, I don't know if he said it to you, Halliburton, or if it was in the press conference setting, but he made it very clear, like, they have involved me in everything. Yes, they have involved me in everything. And Larry comes from a different era. And I th- exactly. obviously Larry's resume is different. And that's fine. But Kevin Pritchard has to live in reality, especially in this market. And he has, living, he has lived in reality with how he's treated Tyrese Halliburton. And I don't know. Maybe you got to be burned by Paul George and Victor Oladipo to get there. But smart move. That's the reality of how the NBA rolls. Mark Dykton, give me an NBA franchise off the top of your head. Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz. If you play in Utah two games as you would, as you play for, if you are in Indiana, you would play actually one game in Utah. Um, Steph Curry, for example, played two games in Utah, paid $45,000 in jock taxes. That is a 5% of what he earned in that game in Utah. Give me one team real quick, Kevin. Uh, The Thunder. The Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, when you go to Oklahoma City, you again pay a 5% tax of what you earn in that game check to the state of Oklahoma. And so that is the jock tax itself. The biggest being in Ontario, when you go to play the Raptors, you pay 55.53% of your province, the province tax to Toronto. Boy, and I've always that, uh, wondered... That Pacers-Raptors seven-game series a few years ago, pretty costly. Yeah, and I mean, I've always wondered if, if players are hesitant to sign as free agents in Toronto because of the unbelievable taxes in Canada. Now, if you're a regular citizen there, you get the benefit of free health care because of those high taxes. It's not necessarily applicable to an NBA player. Probably get pretty good health coverage if you're an NBA player. Tony East in five minutes. Talk more about yesterday's press conference as he is en route to Vegas later today. And more on Obi Toppin coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. That is Steve Popper who covers the Knicks for the Daily News. Again, the Toppin a trade not official just yet with the Chris Duarte trade uh, for two second-round picks becoming official late yesterday. Uh, the Pacers now have an open roster spot, so just a matter of time before the top of news becomes official. With that, let's lead off the morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake, the Reds right now have a feeling of, I want to watch them tonight because something that I'm not used to seeing is going to happen. It's going to involve entertainment. It's probably going to involve a comeback. And last night, or I should say yesterday afternoon, that happened again. It was Nick Senzel in the 10th hitting a two-run shot. They sweep the Washington Nationals. Ellie De La Cruz continues to be pretty special as a switch hitter, particularly from the right side, which a lot of people thought was his weaker side. Again, that is a sweep of the Nats. They are two games up on the Brewers, and they are 10 games above 500 on July 7th. Big, big series this weekend because they're playing the Brewers. So. Right before the All-Star break. Yeah. Big one, big one. And Mark, your Cubs tried to get it done, but a close one yesterday? Yeah, not a good one. The Cubs were red hot for a little bit. Now they're kind of falling back to earth. So yeah, oof. 
split with the Brewers, and now they face the Yankees in New York for the weekend. So that's not going to be fun. How about our race for PBR? Orioles 14-1 over the Yankees. Diamondbacks losing to the mm-hmm. Mets 9-0. So mm-hmm. more breathing room for the cute fella. And the Athletics, uh, we get 10 run showing roll? some life. Tigers 9-0 Nine, over the okay. Athletics. So yeah. we played the full game. They, they did, yeah. Okay. Each member of the Athletics, though, did get to go to Dairy Queen afterwards. I got a ticket for a free blizzard. I think they went to Windsor. You know, They <laughs> exited about the fourth inning there. Have you been to Windsor? Uh, I have not, no. You've been to the Windsor Ballet? Mark? Well, if he's not been there, I don't think he's been to the ballet. No, no I'm asking if you've been no. to the Windsor uh-huh. Ballet. No. Okay. No. Four-game losing streak for my Diamondbacks. Come on, Arizona. Step it up. Boy, Mark, this is a big series of the Brewers now. I know. I'm telling you. <laughs> In Milwaukee coming up. 8-10, uh-huh. first pitch tonight for the Red Legs. Speaking of tonight, uh, you're going to have some appointment television from a Summer League standpoint. It'll be Victor Webanyama making his Vegas Summer League debut against Brandon Miller. No word yet if Britney Spears will be courtside or not for that one. Watch out if she is. And then in the second game of the night, assuming he's healthy from a lingering hamstring injury, it'll be Trace Jackson Davis against Jalen Hood Shafino. Do you think ESPN looked at that and thought, that IU brand, we want this to be in the game. They're after. like, we absolutely have to make sure that Monroe and Morgan County of Indiana get f- as much promotion of this as possible. I mean, you know the IU crazies are going to be watching that. Oh, are you kidding me? Guys uh, wearing their candy striped pants in some lounge in Arizona somewhere. Turn on the AC if you're rocking oh, the candy striped pants. 91. Uh, tomorrow night, it'll be the Pacers, 8 o'clock. Their summer league gets underway. ESPN 2 with the Wizards. Next week, it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I think all of those games are on NBA TV. So just a little bit of a heads up on the Pacers summer league schedule. Again, we'll see how long Benedict Matherin, Andrew Nemhart, Isaiah Jackson, how long they play out there. Uh, and then obviously, Jarris Walker, Ben Shepard, and company. Uh, Oscar Shibway. The Kentucky product, of course, on the Summer League team, and he is one of the two-way contract guys for the Pacers this year. You think Trace Jackson Davis or Jalen Hood Shafino are getting like any motivation from Mike Woodson before the game tonight? If they are, I can imagine what he's saying. Let's kick some ass. <laughs> okay, probably. Yeah, they call it, they they actually do a cameo to, yeah. to get that done. Right? <laughs> is that to Maddie? Is that right? M a t t y. That's right, uh, Matty Painter, the coach. Uh, but finally, by the way, sad news in the world of football. Johnny Cooks, the number two overall selection of the 1983 NFL Draft, who was an all-rookie selection for the Baltimore Colts. Then, of course, in the first season for the Indianapolis Colts, had 11 and a half sacks. He started 74 of his 83 games as a member of the Colts organization, a legend at Mississippi State. The linebacker passing away yesterday at the age of 64. Tony East next. All right, over at the press conference yesterday to announce the Bruce Brown signing, the extension for Tyrese Halliburton, was Tony East. Obviously covers the Pacers for SI and locked on Pacers. Tony, uh, Tyrese Halliburton's words are words, and they sounded great yesterday, and they're going to make for great clips and all of that. I thought the news item that you had reported after the press conference to me was the biggest news of yesterday, and that was no player option on his contract extension because that to me says even more like his team himself if they wanted to they could kind of try and sweep that under the rug and yeah we signed an extension but there is a player option on it the fact that he does not have that in there that tells me a lot about his desire to want to be here Uh, am I reading too much into that I do not think so you know the Pacers did put all the bells and whistles in there to make it Great for Tyrese without the player option with the you know the trade kicker and the easiest possible path for him to earn the most money. But 
that's absolutely massive for the Pacers to have it be that way. Now it's guaranteed to be the next six years for the Pacers with Tyrese Halliburton on their team if they keep him the whole time. And that also gives more time for you know him to make All-NBA again in the future and potentially make you know the, the next maximum bump earlier, which gives the Pacers even more chances to keep him throughout the deal. Like In terms of having a star player on your team, it's the absolute best-case scenario for the Pacers, and that's what you want in a market like this is to have as long as possible to build with someone like this. And, and they were able to pull it off, and Halberton was saying to us you know, after the presser, like, for him, it isn't even necessarily about you know, the, the contract length or the money or anything like that. Like Now he wants to go out there and prove that he's earned it, and to do that, he has to win. And so I think he recognizes that you know, he wants to be here for a long time, and there's no option. And the way to back up that he's worth that money is to win. Like I think in general, it's just he just gets it, and the contract is exactly what the Pacers and, and the fans should have wanted. And I think that, with you, is, is the, was the biggest story to me from yesterday, that they can now build with him for as long as possible. Tony, do you think – Tony East is our guest on the Payless Liquors hotline. Do you, Tyrese Halliburton, you know, they made no bones about the fact that, that Bruce Brown took a phone call from Tyrese Halliburton and they were able to talk about what Brown could do and how they could help each other out as teammates. Does Halliburton yet have the juice amongst the elite in the NBA – to entice elite player, and I'm not saying Bruce Brown's not elite, but you get what I'm saying. To entice, yeah. to entice elite players to Indiana, I think he's got the play style that attracts elite players. But the question is, does he have that that allure and that stardom with him right now? Right, and I think the Team USA invite says you know, he's getting closer. Right for the World Cup this summer, there's some really good players on that team, and you know I talked to Kevin about this earlier this week, but like there's already been reporting about how Damian Lillard and Bam Adebayo's relationship sort of started growing from Team USA uh, in the past, right? That can be significant. He was the all, obviously an all-star back in February, Terry Talburn was. So I think he's growing on that path to being someone that other stars, you know, look up to and say, wow, the way they play looks really fun and the way he helps everybody is great. But, I, I, you know, we, we've seen the grip he has on the players so far. Like, he was part of the recruiting pitch for DeAndre Ayton, obviously, called Bruce Brown at, to help with that pitch, and it worked out. But in terms of the best of the best, I think we'll see. But I think a lot of the, the resume he's building up will make him have that appeal and allure uh, within the next couple of years, certainly. Yeah, Tony East with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. He's off to Vegas this afternoon to cover the Pacers in their summer league endeavors out there. Uh, Tony, uh, seems like the NBA is in a bit of a holding pattern for the Damian Lillard trade, I would assume, maybe even throwing James Harden there. Uh, but what else can the Pacers do this offseason from a uh, player a- acquisition standpoint? Yeah, you know we're in a holding pattern when uh, you know the big signings in the last couple of days are Mason Plumley and Montrez Harrell and <laughs> the the third string centers of the world are locking up their money. Bismack um, Biombo. <laughs> his deal's probably coming in the next couple of days, certainly, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, there's still a lot they can do in terms of the long-term stuff, like rookie options and extensions, that's kind of the boxes you check after your team is done. But in terms of, you know, actually moving pieces around on the team, I think that, you know, if the right deal came into play so they could hop in on one of these bigger star trades in, in the three or four or whatever team deal, clearing up the log jam with the backup five would make some sense. I think everybody still uh, recognizes that when you just 
list of players on their team in a depth chart, and you go, okay, Miles Turner, Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson, Daniel Tice. Okay, that's too many guys, right? Like, one of them straight up won't play every game. And last year it was often two of them not playing every game with the, the, the young bigs alternating for the last couple months of the season. So, And they have Oscar Shibway on a two-way deal now, so they have extra depth at that spot. Like, they just have too many bigs. And it, it might be fine. It might not be a huge deal. And they've got some of those deals ending at the end of this coming season. But I think that if they could, finding a way to kind of optimize those salaries would make or those salaries those roster spots would make a little bit of sense for them um obviously it's it's not like the easiest deal to trade backup centers they're not of the most value in the nba but if you can find a way to do it i think that would be that would be something they could look to do as, as the offseason kind of progresses you know it does feel like things are settled just because it's been so slow but i think there's still kind of a decent amount in the league that has to change up so we'll see if they can find a deal there and they do have quite a bit of two threes as well uh, I think all of them could reasonably play every game a little bit, but it might be hard to have them play the roles that make the most sense. So maybe they have a few moves to, to balance their team coming, uh, but they're out of roster spots, so it's not like they're, they're pressed to do anyth- anything or, or have to do something. Um, but, th- but there are certainly ways that it makes sense for them to make moves. And then after everything's set in place, they can look to you know, other extensions that might make sense or rookie options, all that kind of stuff. And Tony East is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, shameless plug, I was on Tony's Locked on Pacers podcast earlier this week. On that podcast, <laughs> Tony and I uh, just started discussing the OB Toppin acquisition for the Pacers. And I pointed out on yesterday's show, Tony, what we had talked about on Wednesday of, you know, his starting numbers from behind the arc are very, very impressive and a huge outlier from how he is as a reserve. It's a 44% three-point shooter as a starter with high volume versus a 30% three-point shooter when he comes off the bench. Um, whether you want to expand on that or if there's any other little nuggets you've discovered on top and in or Bruce, ba- Bruce Brown Jr., feel free to uh, share those. Yeah, we have to be careful. It's a reported acquisition of Obi Toppin, Kevin. You never know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a big part of the allure of Toppin, right, is just what can he be with a consistent role? And the starting numbers are, of course, encouraging. And generally when you're starting, you're playing with your team's, you know, best shot creators or the guys who can make the system the easiest, right? So the the shots are easier and everything's just, just smoother. And so... The hope would be that if Toppin uh, is in Indiana and playing uh, with Tyrese Halbert more often, whether that's as a starter or off the bench, that those easy chances will allow him to be closer to that level of shooter or closer to that level of player all the time. And even if he isn't necessarily a starter, we'll see how that works with Jarris Walker and other guys on the team. You know, he'll, he'll be playing every game and he'll have a consistent role. And I, you know, we talked about that, Kevin, but I think that's a big part of what made Obi Toppin's life a little harder for a while is just like he had a lot of games where he played six minutes or five minutes or just less than ten where it's hard to even get a rhythm or figure out the flow of the game and how you can impact it like Gogo Batadza was talked about how tough that was for him when you know the, the minutes were small and he didn't really necessarily know when they were coming in a game it's hard to kind of have the impact that you want so I just think having a, a consistent role even could help Toppin get closer to those numbers that that we've talked about yesterday some people who were uh, referring to him without saying his name discussed how strong his transition game is and how much that can help the Pacers. And that was a big part of their, their summer, they said, was you know identifying those players that really help with their strengths already since they were such a good open floor team 
last year, and Toppin is wonderful there. I think Pacers fans know it well. He had that preseason between the legs dunk against them and insane plays in April playing against them this past season. So a lot of ways he can help them on the offensive end, and I think a more consistent role could be just a way that, that helps him take off a bit. We'll have to do some work on the defensive end, but I think I think the fit is pretty good, and everybody's excited about what that could be. Tony, one of the things that struck me yesterday in talking notably to, to Bruce Brown, but I think Halliburton mentioned it as well, have we, and I'm going to bring you in as guilt by association, I guess, because I think it's been a narrative we've all had, have we perhaps underestimated what Buddy Heald means to the rest of the league in terms of the respect that players have for him and seemingly the level of enjoyment players get from playing with him as a teammate and Indiana's perception of that value to them? Yeah, I don't even think I'm guilty by association now that you've uh, finished the question. And yeah, that's certainly possible. I mean, you know, he shooting is such an important skill that like even with all the other stuff, that a player has to do like you could be good at, at almost nothing else if you can knock down a ton of open threes at a volume that is you know you're going to make a couple every game like that and just changes everything about how a team is defended and how important you are like even Doug McDermott with the Pacers was like huge for their second unit and got you know 14 million a year when he left because he could shoot it and he had a couple other you know like two dribble moves to get to the basket but you know, he, he wasn't, like, amazing at anything else. But he could shoot it so well that he was phenomenal. And Buddy Heald is a better shooter than Doug McDermott and can do a couple other things with the ball and has all, all these connective skills. And he's an awesome fit with Tyree Talbert. And so for the Pacers specifically, of course, that part is important. And I think he does get respect around the league for that shooting, right? It's hard to be an elite shooter and work on the craft the way he does. And I think people know that, that he's a gym rat and, um, certainly, I think, if, assuming he's still with the team, which he is right now, that he'll have a, a big impact with this group just as that shooter and floor spacer. Like, I think a lot of the reason they opted to, to keep him in lineups last year is uh, the starting five specifically is the spacing helps young players grow. Like, they have more room to operate. They have more space to kind of grow their game. And sometimes even when he's in the corner, it's just like four on four on the other side of the floor. So that's really valuable to a team and his personality is one of one. There's no one like Buddy Heald in the NBA. So I think he does have a lot of value to teams. Uh, there's a reason that, you know, the, the Lakers tried to do that Kuzma trade for him right before they pivoted to Westbrook instead, like he would have helped them. So he's certainly good and potentially underrated around the league. And I think shooting is just so important that he has a lot of value. Bruce was presumably on uh, saying similar things to that. Bruce is definitely right. It's just funny to me because from the time he got here, there has always been like this perception of the, that he was like a rental for the Pacers, and then I, I mean, obviously, I think that, that's kind of waned as the time has gone on. But he just strikes me like I, I think players just really like him, man. I mean, I can see it like in, in warm ups and things like that. That I just think I, I guess this is my mea culpa from a personal standpoint that people should know that he seemingly is a very popular guy that guys want to play with. Yeah, I have to do the mea culpa, too. And, like, I think some of that is just how Sacramento specifically went for him, where there was, like, some reporting about him not liking his role and his spot on the team. And, you know, there was a lot of quibbling in his negotiations on his contract extension when he was there. And then, you know, when he got traded, well, his his defense was never good in Sacramento either, right? And then he got traded. And, like, sometimes you talk to these guys with their new team, and they're just so excited about their new team. And 
Fuddy was excited to be with the Pacers, but part of why he even said he's like, yeah, I'm just kind of happy to be, you know, out of there and in a new spot. So there was a lot of questions about like why that all kind of was the case, and his defense had some holes in it. Like, is this guy really that good? How is he going to help this team? What's his contract look like? It's shorter now, and it's coming into the last year, so there's still kind of questions about what he is, but. With the Pacers, he's bought into everything. Like his assists are up, his rebounding's up, his shooting percentages are phenomenal, and his person again, like his personality is unlike any athlete I've ever had to talk to before. He he's got a joke for everything. He's very funny and he keeps things light. Um, so I, yeah, he's a phenomenal Pacers teammate and and has certainly proved me wrong and and many in, in many ways. You know, so durable too, and I, I think he yeah. possesses a skill set that just doesn't wane as as quickly as some others when you reach. When you're the age of 30. Um, all right, last one for me, Tony. And again, Tony East is with us here. Uh, I want to make sure I get it right. Tony R. East, I know you changed up the old Twitter <laughs> handle. Yes, that's right, yes. At Tony R. East on Twitter. He's with us here on the Payless Sickers Hotline. Uh, okay, Rick Carlisle hands you the, the lineup sheet for opening night and says, Tony, fill it out. Your starting lineup is what? My starting lineup would probably be uh, Halliburton, Gosh, I already have to stop. Um, probably Halliburton, Matherin, Brown, Walker, Turner. Uh, I think that's the best way for them to kind of put their foot forward in terms of going for wins and still having their young guys in Walker, Matherin, and Albert all play together. But I think it's very easy for others to make arguments for the guy we just talked about, Buddy Heald, to be in there uh, for Bruce Brown. And Bruce Brown did say yesterday he doesn't care if he comes off the bench. And I get that he's going to say that, but I, I mean, he just came off the bench for a championship team. I believe him. Uh, you could argue Toppin instead of Walker. I would, I would hear that argument as well, but I think that would be my five, even though it's not very easy. They have a lot of guys who make sense to put in that unit. Yeah. And I think the other thing you want to do is try to, you got to have some scoring in the second unit as well. So, you know, there might be some guys that maybe are better scorers that could start, but you need them to come off the bench. And, yeah. you know, that's why Rick Carlisle makes the big bucks, right? <laughs> that is – he, you know, he alluded to this yesterday when talking about the twos and threes. Like, yeah, we'll figure it out in training camp, right? We'll see what this team is. And, you know, it, it's tough with the number of guys they have who are deserving of – sizable roles, but that's that's Rick's job, and we'll see how it, it shakes out. Alright, Tony, off to Vegas here in a bit. Uh, Benedict Matherin over under two and a half games played in Vegas. <laughs> oh, under. Under, certainly. <laughs> Just one, or is he getting a second? Uh, he's probably the only guy I think could be a one-gamer. Duarte was a one-gamer last year. I think Jackson will probably yeah, play One game seems Bart, almost worthless. <laughs> I think it's about the practice time more than the game at that point. You know, you that's get those point. extra reps in with your guys, and in that setting, but yeah, isn't it funny that now that Chris is traded to look back and go, he was so good last year and then had that summer league game and they're like, yep, we're good. And now he's, he's in Sacramento. It's crazy how fast things can change, but that was, that was the situation last year. Yeah, that is a really, really good point. Kind of a sad point, but certainly a good one. All right, Tony, safe travels out there, man. Enjoy it. And uh, we'll talk to you uh, probably not next week considering the time change, but we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> you got it. Thanks guys. Tony East, right there on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Jake, I think that's a good point he made on the Tyrese Halliburton no-player option. I'm looking at it more from a, it's his desire through actions to say, no, 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 I want to be here throughout the whole extension. That's how I look at it. Tony brought up, it gives the Pacers an additional year to prove to Tyrese Halliburton, hey man, we've built something that you want to sign another contract here. You know, because if you have the player option, then the Pacers are in a contract year, 
and how they have to build a little quicker right. for Halliburton. Whereas with that, obviously you hope that you've proven to him by then that you have a legit team that he wants to stick around with for the next handful of seasons after this this contract such is done. But I thought that was a good point Tony made. As summer league gets underway and we look at players like Trace Jackson Davis, Jalen hood uh, those that have circuitously worked their way back in trying to get into the NBA, I've got a question for Kevin by looking at a fascinating journey of somebody's basketball resume and whether or not you would want to replicate it or not. And I'll ask you about that. And then we'll talk about what the Pacers are going to be getting in Obi Toppin. That conversation from someone in New York in 40. I misspoke and apologize. Uh, Steve Popper, Popper or Topper? Popper. It's Obi Toppin, Steve Popper. I'll get this right eventually, I promise. Uh, New York Newsday, going to join us coming up in five minutes talk about what the Pacers are getting in this alleged move it is going to happen obi toppin coming here then after that uh, i'm going to ask kevin about a circuitous route to the nba and whether or not it would be worth the wait to get there we'll explain all of that after we talk little new york nick indiana pacer basketball nine o'clock in indianapolis technically speaking it is nine o'clock everywhere in the eastern time zone good morning to you my name is jake query kevin bowen mark dykton here as well kevin and query on 93.5 1075 the fan we go to the payless Sigurds hotline we're joining us now to talk about what the paces are getting in obi toppin and again theoretically getting i guess because there still are technicalities in terms of getting the the trade official or having it be officially announced i think a physical maybe is the last thing standing in the way but steve popper joins us now on the line steve uh good morning and thanks for your time i'll begin right away with this um kind of take me through the ebb and flow of Toppin and and in new york was it situational where he just never really got permanent footing was it they misevaluated him what was it that kept him from being a regular starter for new york uh, probably all of all of the above uh really situational is the biggest thing uh, when you know, if you go back to when they drafted him, uh, there was uh, the year before they had you know gone gone on a star search and kind of settled, signed four power forwards, sort of with the intention of moving them as assets. Uh, they moved Marcus Morris midseason at the trade deadline. Uh, Bobby Portis moved on, uh, and Julius Randle was the one that they, they actually couldn't get the deal for between salary and performance that first year. Uh, and it looked like Obi was kind of brought in to be, uh, you know, the starting power forward once they could, could make a deal. And timing-wise, it couldn't be worse for him because Julius emerged that season as uh, an all-NBA player, an all-star for the first time in his career. Uh, and, and the other thing he is, is he's sort of an Iron Man. He plays every game. Uh, I think, I think that season he was either leader or second in minutes played, uh, total minutes played. Um, and so, well, Obi Toppin is trying to develop and find his way. You've got a guy in the way of him who plays all the time and plays really well and is the best player on the team. Uh, and it's kind of been that way for his entire time there. Uh, Randall is, is the, you know, one of the, the main pieces here. Uh, in New York, and it just it just never opened up where Obi was going to have a window to play. Uh, he would have his moments. Look, the guy is is a, a fan favorite in New York. He, he's a hometown guy. 
people loved him. They loved the way he plays. He, he's just an athletic uh, freak where, you know, the on a fast break, you know, just the whole crowd gets up when they see him take off and, and the, you know, just, you know, something's going to happen. And he's, you know, probably gives Tom Thibodeau a heart attack with, you know, between the leg dunks in games. Um, but, but it just never happened for him. I think there was some frustration on his part. Uh, there was some frustration on their part that he never became what they needed him to be. Uh, and it just, look, I think the ending was uh, an amicable one in that, you know, he has very close ties to the organization. Uh, one of his agents is the son of the Knicks president. Um, they were very, uh, uh, I guess, in sync with him before the draft, uh, working out. He was working out with Rick Brunson, who's now an assistant coach. Uh, on the Knicks, um, before, pre, pre-draft, he's, he's got ties to DAA, which is, uh, basically runs the Knicks. So, you know, it was, it was a situation where I, I think it was best intentions when they took him and it just never worked out where there was an opportunity for him. And I think they wanted to clear one, give him, you know, give him the opportunity to become what he can become and to make the money that he's going to make uh, if he gets an opportunity and can put up numbers uh, when he, he's eligible for an extension this summer. Again, getting to know Obi Toppin a little bit more with Steve Popper. He joins us here on the Palo Sickers Hotline, covers the Knicks for Newsday. Uh, you certainly hit on it there about you know Julius Randle. I, I mean, stunting the growth of Obi Toppin might be too strong of a statement, but you know were there efforts to ever put those two alongside each other? Because... You know, when you look at Obi Toppin's number, Steve, as a starter versus a reserve, I mean, they are quite a, a contrast from each other. And I don't know if there are Knicks fans out there thinking, hey, when he starts, like he's able to contribute at a pretty high level, you know, but not really sniff that as a reserve. So were there ever any efforts to try and put those two guys together? There were, and they were brief, and they were unsuccessful. Uh, they didn't work as a pair, and neither one could really play play the five. Uh, neither one could really play the three. They're really both power forwards. Um, and some of Toppin's deficiencies, uh, which are, you know, loom large in, in Tom Thibodeau's system, is he was, he was never a very good defensive player. And what, what Tom Thibodeau's offense does is basically tries to create a double team um, and, and, you know, create an advantage somewhere and then kick the ball to the open guy. And Obi is the great finisher, but he's not a guy who draws double teams. Despite what he did in college, leading the nation in scoring, he's really a, a more of a you know finishing a fast break, uh, running out in transition. He's he's not a guy who you know you hand the ball to and you know with the clock running down he creates a shot uh, where, where it forces a double team. It just doesn't happen. He became a pretty efficient three point shooter. Um, was terrible at the start of his career and really worked to become uh, a good, you know, kick out option. But he was, he was the guy who finished the play. He was never the guy who initiated it for the Knicks. And that, that kind of was a lacking thing. I, I think in Indianapolis, he'll find the same sort of uh, opportunities where, you know, Halliburton gets the ball out and running. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be required to be a, a, an offensive initiator. And that's not his strength. He's not a defensive, you know, stand out. I don't know if the way they play, if, if that's going to work there. Um, but like I said, he, he is a talent. He just, uh, it just never worked out. Uh, and look, there's some frustration in New York, I think, among the fan base that, you know, this is a guy who was a lottery pick, the first lottery pick of his front office. And you're giving two 
uh, what I suspect are going to be pretty poor second round picks to get, you know, in return from. Um, and, and they do have to fill his minutes. They don't have a backup power forward right now on the roster. Steve, it's always fascinating to me. Steve Popper of New York Newsday is our guest. He's on the Palo Sigurds hotline. It's always interesting to me. Sometimes guys just need like a new lease to a place where how they were acquired either puts pressure on them or takes it off of it, right? Like it's different playing for a franchise that everybody in the in the building knows that they gave up second round picks for you than it is when you're playing for a franchise that they put a lottery pick into you, right? And so maybe that frees guys up a little bit. But I'm curious from your perspective, we don't know these guys personally. It's not like we're going out to dinner with athletes that we cover, but you can get a feel. When things weren't going well for Obi Toppin and it just wasn't taking off and that pressure of the lottery was there in the media market capital of the world, what kind of guy was he with his teammates? Was he a sulker? Was he withdrawn? Or was he a guy that you could tell his teammates genuinely were hoping it worked out for him? I think it's the final thing that, that you know, he, he was – I think what you'll find, and as soon as you guys meet him, you'll see this, he is a super high-energy guy, um, just almost childlike. Um, and he's just he's just a fun – what you see on the court with the energy, that's sort of the way he is in the locker room. He's always talking to everybody. He's talking to the media. He's talking to other players. Uh, he's just an electric sort of personality. Um, just, you know, he's just a fun guy. And I, I'll say this, the fans never turned on him in New York, uh, despite the struggles, despite him not becoming what you want from, from a lottery pick. There was never a fan, part of the fan base, that booed him or, or felt disappointed with him. He was a New York guy. He was uh, just, uh, he's, a, he's a lovable guy. He's got, you know, he, he's very much a family man before games. His little kids are always out on the uh, court, on the edge of the court with him. Um it's just it's a shame it didn't work out there because I think he wanted it to work out in New York but I think he's a guy you know as you mentioned about needing a new lease I think he needs an opportunity somewhere else uh, you know well the Knicks have floated deals for Julius Randle in the past uh, just nothing's ever come out and, and this is now a guy who two, two times in the last three years is all NBA uh, it just wasn't going to work out here for him uh, opportunity wise I think he knows that, that he needed a, a, a new lease. And when you talk about sulking, he, he never was that guy until uh, it's become very public that after game four in the playoffs uh, against Miami, uh, down in Miami, he kind of got into a shouting match with Tom Thibodeau. You know, he was kind of grumbling angrily, leaving the court that he hadn't gotten an opportunity. He'd only played a couple minutes, hadn't played in the second half. Um, and it, 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 it's come out, you know, basically an audio tape came out of him, you know, him screaming at Thibodeau. Um, I've heard Thibodeau screaming back at him, but I, but I did hear that they, you know, smoothed it over the next game, next day in practice. Uh, the two of them met, and then um, in game five, he played well. He, he, played, he played his minutes and played well. So I, I think it kind of was a, a momentary lapse of frustration there, um, which I guess, you know, look, is going to happen when you, when you, he, he did have some moments in the playoffs, played very well, where uh, Randall had another ankle injury. Um, and as you said, when he started, he puts up numbers. Uh, some of it was, was garbage time, sort of, you know, end of the season stuff, you know, when, when teams aren't really playing to win. Uh, but he can put up 42 points in a game. We know that. Uh, and he's a guy who led the nation in scoring. 
uh, he's just an electric personality. He's a fun guy, uh, you know, and I think maybe we did see some of that taken away in New York, you know, towards the end uh, with frustration about his opportunities. We know that he is a, you know, a, a fast-paced, I think Dunker's Delight is what it's been known as, right? Like a fast-paced guy in terms of his style of play. I think yeah. they're very intrigued, Indiana is, with like pick and rolls with Halliburton. But once, and Steve, it sounds crazy to say this because in today's NBA, I don't even know how applicable this is. But once Indiana, if they're trying to run in transition and that's staved and they've got to get into a half-court set, is Obi Toppin's offensive game then obsolete until the next transition opportunity? Or is he a guy that can play in a half-court set and score for you? Well, what he became in New York, uh, and I'm not sure it was what he wanted to be, he became kind of a spot-up three-point shooter, and not a bad one. You know, not a great, but not a bad one. Um, you know, again, I said that was that was sort of a, a failing in New York, and whether it was the system, uh, what it afforded him, he never became a guy who could bail you out. Uh, you know, put the ball in his hands and create something with with six seconds on the clock. He's just not that guy, or hasn't been that guy. Uh, and it'll be interesting. Look, I, I'll watch it with interest to see, you know, if, if in Rick Carlisle's system that changes. Uh, they do have a lot of shooters, uh, so I, I, I wonder what what his role will be if he'll if he will be that, you know, drawing a defense out, uh, kind of planning himself out in the corner. Um, he he has become better at it. I, I don't know if that's what Rick wants to do with him, but but I'm curious to see. Look, this is a guy again who, you know, was the star attraction in college at Dayton and led the nation scoring with the player of the year. Um, you know, does he does he recapture some of that in a new place? I, I hope he does. And look, I think, I think everybody who knows him hopes he does because he's a likable guy uh, who I think we all kind of root for to, to get that opportunity. Steve, last one from me and appreciate the time here on this Friday morning. Bruce Brown Jr. announced by the Pacers yesterday uh, free agent signing. He mentioned that he had two calls in free agency. The Pacers were the second. The Knicks were the first. Uh, were you surprised to hear that news? I, I know Dante DiVincenzo ended up being kind of a, a, a big-ish signing by the Knicks. Uh, did you think there was some real interest there between the Knicks and Bruce Brown Jr. and him ultimately picking Indiana? Yeah, I think there was real interest, and he's exactly the kind of player uh, that they were seeking. I, I, I think we all knew that the two players the Knicks had, they had targeted were those two guys, Brown and DiVincenzo, because they're, uh, they're two-way, versatile, defensive guys who can score when you need it. Uh, and, and Bruce Brown, we saw him you know, in Brooklyn for, for a while before Denver, and what he's developed into is just really impressive. Uh, the work that he's put in to become the offensive player he is, He's always been sort of a dog on defense who you can, you know, it's amazing. He's whatever he is, 6'4", and, you know, you'll see him in the post against the center defending, and he just just doesn't give up an inch. Uh, so I think Thibodeau loved him for that. He's sort of like a Josh Hart type of player who, who the Knicks really did well with when they got him. Uh, but I think Indy blew everyone out of the water with a contract. The Knicks were basically looking to fill the mid-level exception, uh, non-taxpayer mid-level of $12.4 million. And that's where they slipped Dante DiVincenzo under. Uh, and basically, I think they saw Indiana's offer just ended any talk of that by basically doubling it. Uh, and, and, you know, good for Bruce because he's a guy who's earned a pay, payday. Uh, but I, I think the Knicks were definitely interested. He's, he's exactly the kind of guy 
look, I think we all see see what he you know how valuable he was to that Denver team in, in the finals and the playoffs. He's he's a guy who, you know, probably more consistently on a night to night basis than Michael Porter Jr. was was the third best player for, for Denver. Uh, I, I think he's going to do great given a bigger opportunity and 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 when you have a young team that's trying to establish themselves, I, I think a guy like him, an energy, a toughness guy, is great for everybody on the team. Uh, more despised by the fan base at the Garden, Reggie Miller or Knicks owner Jim Dolan. <laughs> Uh, well, they, they've had two, two out of the last three successful seasons. He, he's kind of kept out of the way. He's busy with the spear. We're in Vegas here, which looks like the Death Star. Uh, Reggie still gets booed every time he comes in. Um, I, I, I think probably that's wearing off. I'd probably say Dolan is prob- probably more despised. I, I think Reggie is, there's enough young people who don't remember uh, what Reggie used to do tormenting them. Uh, so, so uh, I'm, I'm old enough that I covered those series and remember them well, and enjoyed covering Reggie always. Now, does does Jim Dolan still play in a house band where Isaiah Thomas is the only guy that shows up? <laughs> You're gonna get me in trouble here. Uh, <laughs> he actually, he actually, I have not seen him play. I think he's been so tied up with this fear project. Nobody but Isaiah Thomas him. has. <laughs> <laughs> he. Uh, I, I've wondered for many years why a guy who's booed in his own arena and, and you know has fights with the fans, why he doesn't just take take the the many billions you'd get selling the Knicks, uh, walk away from it, go play guitar, enjoy yourself, and uh, put out some records that Isaiah will will uh, I'm not believing will have on his headphones. <laughs> he could join the Jim Irsay collection, Jake. That's Maybe. that's correct. Yeah. You know? they, they I do feel together. like the fire Dolan chance, which usually is an NBA draft ritual, those have quieted down here in, in recent years. Usually Yeah, Tom, Tom Thibodeau and Leon Rose have kind of wiped that out with some success the last couple of years. Uh the fan base has been been appeased. There you go. Uh, Steve, great stuff. Uh, I know it's a busy time of year for you, so appreciate you hopping on with us and uh, getting us a little bit of background on Obi Toppin. You got it, guys. Enjoy him. Steve Popper right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Uh, the thing that stands out to me, Jake, about what he just said about Obi Toppin, not a defensive standout. I know. You know, does that lead to Jairus Walker in the starting lineup over Obi Toppin? Uh, obviously, you have a freak athlete. Tyrese Halliburton mentioned it. In his tweet about the top in news, he referenced Patrick Mahomes chucking it up to Travis Kelsey. That's what he's going to be doing to the former slam dunk champ. Again, some three-point prowess is there when he is a starter, but uh, how his defensive efforts will be uh, will be obviously something to keep an eye on. It's interesting. I looked it up out of curiosity. Bruce Brown, four-star recruit out of high school. He was a pretty highly ranked recruit. He was. He was a five-star at one point, I think, but he was a top-20 recruit. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, three-star recruit, 31st best at his position. Obi Toppin, National College Player of the Year, no stars coming out of high school. Played in four high schools in four years. Didn't he play New Zealand for high school at one point? Yeah, Australia? He, he did. He Australia, I think. Speaking of that, I mentioned this earlier. Do you remember, uh, this is totally random, but I was thinking about like random players of the past. When Oklahoma played Indiana in the 2002 Final Four. Yeah, Hollis Price. Correct. And then the other one was Ebby Ara. Do you remember Ebby oh, Ara? I do. I do. I also remember, I don't think he was on those Oklahoma teams, but Eduardo Nahara. That was right after that, I think, right? Was or it? right before it, maybe? He, he was a good like player. He looked like he could grab 37 rebounds in a game. Yeah, he was a good player. 
Uh, and Ebby Rob was a good player for that Oklahoma team, which actually Indiana, you I would call it an upset when Indiana beat them. I didn't think they were going to beat that Oklahoma team. But I got curious, just as an example, of a big-name college player, and then you wonder what happens to them from a professional standpoint. Would you, Kevin Bowen, take this career? Would you rather be a guy that plays in the NBA for eight years as the 15th guy on the roster and just bounces from team to team as kind of a roster fill-out guy or have this career? And let's assume that each of these places pays you a million a year, right? Ebi Arra's professional career. Australia, G League, Belgium. These are all single season. Belgium, two years in Australia, two years in Puerto Rico, Italy, two years in Spain, back to Italy, Puerto Rico, France, back to Puerto Rico, Australia, back to Puerto Rico, France again, Uruguay. Would you would you do that kind of a circuitous route or would you eventually be like, enough? Yeah, I, I think I'd be thrown in the towel at that point. Really? You know? I think it'd be kind of fascinating though, wouldn't Uruguay it? Uruguay like, for two years. I don't know if I can handle that <laughs> at age 31. Can you tell me, I, I will buy your lunch if you can nail this. I, maybe we did this the other day. Can you tell me the, the countries that border Uruguay? Did we do this the other day? Uruguay came I, up. I, uh, Kevin was gone because we were debating that. The, maybe that's what that's it was. So three immediately pop into my head. Chile, Argentina, and Paraguay. I would think... Is Peru in there? I see, Peru's got... you got to go with Peru. If you're talking about South American countries, your law of averages, you'd go Argentina, Chile, and Brazil, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about Brazil. You, what? As, we forget as, about as Brazil. A, as a potential board... Am, am I right? I mean, got to be close, right? What I, did you say again? Are, three popping in my head. Argentina, Chile, and Paraguay. I see Argentina, Brazil... I've got to get a better map here. Google didn't really do many favors with this. You know what we do on this program, though, when it comes to geography, Mike? We educate and entertain. That's right. We, we also talk about the jock tax as well. <laughs> What's the jock tax in Uruguay? <laughs> I think you get a lot of. Uh, I think you do get a lot of international guys, Jake, that have that sort of resume. And by international guys, I mean playing overseas that get to a point after five or six years where they're like, all right, this has been fun, but I'm yeah. ready to start my life. Uruguay only has two borders. Just Brazil and Argentina, Argentina right? and Brazil, really? yeah. Uh-huh. Paraguay is a good guess, though. I, Paraguay is, is right there, but it's it's north and it's in between Argentina and I, I just think like when it comes to playing in those different places, and this was, I, I guess, is my point on it, I think of... First off, I look at Ebi Ara, okay, or Hollis Price that you mentioned, or guys that you know. Remember, um, you know, Bracy Wright, sure. Andre Patterson, guys like that that were really good college players and big name basketball players in the U.S. And then they go and they play in those leagues, and you're like, yeah, they play over there in Australia, they make good money, but they're not in the NBA. And when people talk about a lot of the IndyCar drivers, I think in their respective countries, they are seen as exactly that yeah they're, they're they're racing over in the states and they make good money but they're not in formula one which is their nba right so we you can think of it as well gosh and then you're like i don't know though i mean like scott dixon and will power are big names amongst the racing world in the united states and make really good livings and have a really good life why wouldn't you want to be exactly that in belgium or italy or spain or whatever i also think about the fact kevin that a lot of these guys if you play 10 years overseas, 
You get out of college when you're 21, 22 years old. You play 10 years overseas. And let's say that you, you, after it's all said and done, you manage to walk away with five and a half or $6 million in the bank. You're 32 years old. You come back stateside. You got $6 million in the bank now, and you've lived in like eight countries. I mean, when I was 32 years old, I was the number four sports guy at the number five sports station in town. Like, I mean, I don't know what I was making, but certainly it wasn't $6 million. I, you know, why not do it, right? Why not do it and just do it for as long as you can and enjoy it and see the world and then come back and you've got really good money in the bank? Yeah, I guess all depends on you know personal life and when you want to start that next chapter. No, I get that. But I mean, 32 is still pretty manageable in that regard, right? This is a great point from Luke here, and this is looking ahead a little bit to February when the All-Star Game is going to be in town. Luke goes, you guys think Obi Toppin defends his dunk contest title this year, but in a Pacers jersey, of course, considering the All-Star Game is here. You think about All-Star Weekend, and remember, Saturday night of All-Star Weekend is going to be over at Lucas Oil Stadium. You get a bigger crowd in there. You get cheaper tickets. I am a fan of what the city of Indianapolis and the NBA is doing with moving that over to Lucas Oil for the dunk contest and the three-point contest. You know, Last year, we had Halliburton and Heald in the three-point contest in Salt Lake. You would assume if both of them get asked again, they would do it. You know, Jarris Walker and Benedict Matherin potentially in the Rising Stars game. Obi Toppin in the dunk contest. Ooh. Pacers could be a little bit of a darling for All-Star Weekend here in the city of Indianapolis. I went by yesterday and saw the, whatever you call it, out front. What are they calling that now? Oh, the plaza area off, yeah. off Delaware? It's not done yet, but I'm like, holy cow. I didn't Looks realize outstanding. It, yeah, I mean, it's super cool, right? And that's obviously epicentered around All-Star Weekend, I would assume, or going to be a big part of it. Um, it's a great point, Luke. Obi Toppin in the dunk contest. And then he should wear a bottle shop shirt like get, Darnell Hummond did. He could Halliburton and Heald then, potentially in the three-point contest for a second straight year. If you missed it, uh, Tony East, we had some audio from Tyrese Halliburton a little bit earlier in the show as Jake was over there yesterday. And then Steve Popper, uh, more on Obi Toppin with that. Pop quiz on a freebie Friday is coming up in a few. So that means Jiffy Lube oil change is coming your way no matter what happens on the pop quiz. That's 317-239-1070. So give us a call for that right now before we get there. Let's do a morning check down. The morning check down. On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Uh, WNBA, we'll begin there since we were just talking about the Fieldhouse. The pay, or the Fever, excuse me, are not at the Fieldhouse tonight, but they are in Washington. 7 o'clock tip for Indiana trying to get back on the winning side of things. But speaking of Washington, yesterday Major League Baseball, Reds over the Nationals 5-4. It was the Brewers over now, the Cubs. Don't look now, but here come the Red Legs. I feel like I have Six to five. play that now every you, time. You, thank you, Mark. You do. You know what? You don't play the owner anymore, do you? Well, when they start, when that, he was when right. that, when that he starting was pitching right. starts catching up to the Reds, and they hit a ten-game losing, you don't streak. play the Colts owner anymore either. Well, well, mm-hmm. let's move on. <laughs> Why? Big series coming up move for the on. Reds this weekend. You said, Mark. <laughs> What'd you say? Big one of the Brewers yeah. this weekend for the Reds Red Legs. and Brewers in in Milwaukee, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, I mean, big does series. this just scream sweet by the Brewers into the All Star break, and now Reds fans sit during this the is spoken break like say, a true Reds fan uh, right there, right? You're like, here comes right. the other shoe. Yep, two games up now on Friday morning, one game back comes Sunday evening. Well, that would be nice because then we could bust out the audio from the owner for the Reds. That is. 
You're really wanting to, aren't you? I got like an itchy trigger finger. Cardinals over the Marlins, 3-0. It was, I don't know if you mentioned this, the Mets over the Diamondbacks, 9-0. Orioles won, so that gives me even more breathing room in our race for PBR. Blue Jays sweeping the White Sox in a doubleheader. How'd your dad handle that yesterday? Uh, He's used to it. God, he's a, been a White Sox fan the last couple of years. Awful year since they've gotten Larusa, and now he's just like I don't know what they're. Where doing. is Larusa now? Uh, he's probably hammered in Arizona. Oh boy, hammered. Hopefully not behind the wheel anymore. Hammered in say. Arizona. Okay. No, well, that's what I'd be doing if I was him. Uh, summer league action tonight. <laughs> that's kind of what appointment television is come July seventh. But in all seriousness, you get Victor Wembanyama's debut at nine o'clock on ESPN. I believe Michael Grady's on the call for that one. And then following that, uh, Jalen Huchifino and Trace Jackson Davis squaring off, assuming Trace is healthy from his hamstring injury he suffered earlier this week. Uh, For the Pacers, their summer league session gets underway tomorrow night. That is 8 o'clock against the Wizards. ESPN 2 on that. Three games next week for the Pacers out in Vegas, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Those all on NBA TV. But as Tony East said with us about an hour ago, you know he said he wouldn't be shocked if Benedict Matherin just played one game. In Vegas, so I guess that could be tonight. Or, uh, excuse me, tomorrow night with the Wizards. Again, an 8 o'clock tip on ESPN2. You know, that was actually a golden opportunity to to incorporate the Colts owner with Hammond in Arizona. Talking to Bob say not Jim. And still the greatest moment in broadcast history for the NFL when Bob Ursay came back from Arizona after meeting with the city of Phoenix about moving the Colts from Baltimore. And the media caught up to him in the Baltimore airport as he's... First off, he tries to to pull the do- the push door coming off of the the plane, and then they're all talking to him, and they're like, "What were you doing in Phoenix?" He's like, "I I never been to Azarona. I never been to Azarona." And people are coming off the plane with t shirts like, "I just left Arizona." Every Arizona time you State say that, Sun Devil basketball, yeah. <laughs> Every time you say that, I think you're describing the Tampa Bay Rays, Randy Rosarena. I feel like that's how you're... <laughs> Sounds like Harry Carey calling him. Yes. Pronouncing the state of Arizona. All right, it is Free Big Friday for the pop quiz. What Give you hang me for? 317 239 Very doable. I mean, it's a Freebie Friday, but very doable pop quiz. How about Scotty wearing his uh, Tiger Sunday red? Look at that. Nike polo and everything, Scotty. Oh, yes. Looking good. Scotty's got on the... Probably my favorite era Indianapolis Indians hat. Is that like late 50s? Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying this is the easiest pop quiz you've ever seen? I mean, it's pretty easy, right? Scotty, think, would you right? agree? Um, I would say it is up there on the ease factor. Scotty says up there on the ease factor for this freebie Friday. Uh, Jake, you want to uh, throw a number one through eight? Let's see. Yesterday, Tyrese Halliburton signed his extension. That was a... Technically, it is a five-year extension, even though it keeps him here for six more years. So we'll go with number five. Jimmy. Jimmy. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we? Good, Jimmy. How are you? It is good, Jimmy. Although, training camp, Jimmy's a great guy, too. So, uh, <laughs> just wanted let's, to throw that out. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, yeah, Jimmy. Let's not lie on a Friday morning here, Jimmy. Come on now. Jimmy, I miss seeing you at the Pacer games. Hopefully, we'll uh, when the season resumes, we will continue our semi-regular meetings of one another, right? 
That would be awesome. I always love seeing you, Jake. And uh, Kevin, I look forward to seeing you at training camp coming up later this month. Yeah, we um, just, we Jimmy, good news. We just had a meeting about this yesterday. And Jake, correct me if I'm wrong. We were doing eight shows from up there. I think is that's that right? right. Yep. So I think starting with report day, uh, Tuesday the 24th, whatever that is. Uh, and then we'll be up there for tons and uh, Tuesday the 25th. And then a bunch of awesome. morning practices. So uh, always look, uh, look forward to seeing you there, man. That's great. Hey, two things real quick before we start, if you don't mind. Yeah, uh, all you. you know, I'm a diehard listener to your program and uh, all the shows on the fan, but um, uh, I just wanted to say, I, I actually used to work at Victory Field also, so um, it, was, it was a lot of fun during the summer, and there's no better place to be during the summer than, than Victory Field and seeing the skyline of Indy. So um, just wanted to throw that out there. And and um, also, I'm really excited about the Halliburton news and, and bringing in Bruce Brown as well. So things are looking up here. They, they are looking up. that awesome spot, Jimmy. Hey, and they got been, home games all weekend. And they've been packing the house at Victory Field. So a lot of people agree with you, Jimmy, for certain. Um, would you like for me, that would be Jake, or for Kevin to lead you off with question number one? Well, Jake, you know I love you, and you're uh, an Eastwood, North Central, and IU guy. Like, my mom is all three of those. Um, but I'm, I got to go with Kevin. Sorry, Jake. All right, no worries. All right, Jimmy, let's see how you do, man, and I appreciate you calling. For the first three questions on today's pop quiz, Scotty's decided to play Where Did This Free Agent End Up, okay? So the okay. first one we have here is O'Shea Bursette. Did O'Shea Brissett sign with the Heat, the Lakers, the Suns, or Brad Stevens of the Celtics? Celtics. Okay. Good start from Jimmy. Secondly, Jimmy, former Indiana center Thomas Bryant, who just managed to get Tom Crean to quit hugging him like 20 minutes ago. Uh, he was, of course, with the Denver Nuggets when they won the NBA title. Now he has moved on. He's actually replacing another Indiana center. Uh, is he going to the Phoenix Suns, the Chicago Bulls, the Miami Heat, or the Milwaukee Bucks? Uh, I should know this. It's kind um, of a him for Cody Zeller swap, right, Jake? That's correct. Miami Heat. Okay. That's all right here. Um, the third one, and I believe I'm not mistaken, this guy had a little fling with Scottie Pippen's old wife. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah, I think so. so. I don't know if good Jimmy's up to date on that stuff, but uh, something to keep in mind here. cost him any bucks. Uh, look at that. I get away from TMZ, Kevin. Yeah, J- <laughs> I, I, yeah, TMZ's, you know, the first thing Jimmy reads each morning. Okay, uh, former <laughs> L.A. Lakers guard Malik Beasley. Is Malik Beasley now with the Clippers, the Bucks, the Knicks, or the Mavericks? Mm-hmm. I want to uh, shoot. I want to say the Knicks. Playing, playing for a pretty good team. Uh, can you give me a choice to start? One yeah, more time? Clippers, Bucks, Knicks, or Mavericks. Uh, I'll go with Bucks. Okay. Question four. Here, Mark growling over there. A little Yesterday, bit. Uh, Johnny Cooks, as we had mentioned, passed away at the age of 64. The second overall pick in the 1982 NFL Draft by the then Baltimore Colts. Who was the number one overall pick? in the 1982 NFL Draft. The number one overall pick in the 82 Draft. Was it Marcus Allen, Kenneth Sims, Chip Banks, or Jim McMahon? Unfortunately, good Jimmy wasn't established yet. Uh, 1987 is when I was born. But, um, Here's the thing I would tell you, Jimmy. 
there's one name that probably would only be on this list if it was actually the correct answer. Marcus Allen, Kenneth Sims, Chip Banks, or Jim McMahon? Marcus Allen. Okay. Jimmy, do we have any home run balls at Victory Field off the JW Marriott yet? Do you know uh, that? I'm not sure. I I haven't worked there since 2017, so oh, I'm not sure. Sorry. Yeah, and uh, honestly, that would be quite the shot. But uh, okay, uh, final one here. 75 years ago today, we've got a nine-paragraph question to end. The Cleveland Indians signed 42-year-old Negro League veteran pitcher and future Hall of Famer Satchel Page to his first major league contract. Page would pitch two seasons in Cleveland, followed by three with the St. Louis Browns, and he would pitch one final major league game in 1965, becoming the oldest player in MLB history at 59 years of age. With which team that I am a huge fan of did Page pitch for in 1965? Jimmy, was it A, the Kansas City A's, B, the Baltimore Orioles, C, the New York Mets, or D, the Milwaukee Braves? You're a huge fan of this team. Though you said this, well, you know, fan, here's a, hint. a loose term. Here's a hint. I'm guessing that Ted Lasso would wear T-shirts and or a ball cap from this team. Oh, uh, shoot. <laughs> uh, sorry, give me a choice one more time. Kansas sorry. City Athletics, Baltimore Orioles, New York Mets, Milwaukee Braves. Kansas City. Sorry, I, I don't watch Ted Lasso. <laughs> All good. That was a hell of Pretty a guess, guess right there. Pretty good Boy, guess. For the easiest pop quiz, you guys gave out hints like it was candy. What do you, I mean, it's a freebie, it's a freebie Friday. Friday. I know. Here. I love Jimmy, too. But I was like, oh, you know, it's the easiest pop quiz. Here's five hints. Yeah. Now, let me let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Jimmy, stay on the line no matter what happens. I mean, do you just go around and, and poo-poo Christmas and Easter also? No. I mean, what are we doing here? It's a freebie no. Friday. It's a but, beautiful but, but day outside. When you guys claim... Oh, this is the easiest. We are here Scotty, to, it's never I, been we're, easy. We're here to educate and entertain. I, I did not claim that. It's about to be 10 o'clock on a Friday, and our weekend's about to begin after a long, laboring entire nine hours of work this week, and you want to sit here and just poo-poo the fact that on the pop quiz, oh, we're giving out a couple of hints. I'm here to help people. I'm a man of, of the people. People say to me all the time, they come up to me, they go, it's your generosity on the pop quiz that I like. Is that that's what, what they carries say? me through. Yeah, and they always say that, Mark, fella, what does he do? Hand out coals at Christmas? And I said, yeah, that's exactly right. Sounds like a conversation you have in the mirror every morning. <laughs> yeah. I would agree. Mark's a real jerk. <laughs> As Boo is sitting there watching. <laughs> just, uh, O'Shea Brissett, just indeed a, guy that a Boston lives with me and Celtic. My cat. <laughs> what was it? I now I'm distracted. Just ding it. Uh, see, uh, Correcto. Uh, Thomas Bryant is with the Miami Heat's. Yeah. Malik Beasley, a member now. He got number five right as well, the Kansas City A's, did Jimmy? But Jake, number four. Okay, so the hint I gave on that, and I understand why Jimmy. Misinterpreted my my hint, so I apologize. But between the names of Marcus Allen, which is obviously one of I think might be the most underrated running back in NFL history, Chip Banks, who's a really good player, Jim McMahon, who's a household name, Kenneth Sims would be the one name on that list. We're like, wait a minute. The only reason he would be on there is if he's actually, in fact, the correct answer, and he was. He was the first overall pick you to the Patriots. It! Jimmy, thanks for calling, man. Freebie Friday, though. Stick on the line. You don't get to come back tomorrow. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete loser. <laughs> oh Possession into the end zone for us. How great is that? That is, without doubt, one of the great moments. I mean, the parting of the sea with Jalen Hurts into the end zone. That was the if, highlight of the Colts season, wasn't it? Like, audio-wise? beat the Eagles... 
Then that Sunday afternoon, Jeff Saturday is your head coach right now. Right. You think so? Yes. I think it would have taken one more win for Jim or so. You know, the other thing I was one thinking more about, win. in great audio clips that we've played. Imagine the Ursay tweets he would have been sending out after that win. That would have been two in a row, Raiders Remember, and he, Eagles. He definitely had kind of a, like, who's questioning me now kind of mantra. Right? The tweets really quieted down after that. The By the way, the fourth pick in the 82 draft, Art Schleister. Sheesh. Um with the ESPN layoffs, I, we talked a little bit about that. I don't recall if I mentioned this on the air or just in talking to buddies of mine. Susie Colbert is one of those. I think we talked about Susie Colbert being let go by ESPN. If Is Susie Colbert part of one of the five most famous moments in ESPN history? Uh, it's certainly up there. I mean, honestly, like, what what else jumps out at you uh, other than things where they were showing, you know, like like a live event? But in terms of like an ESPN produced or responsible piece of video, the only thing I could think of would be Charlie Stein when Carl Lewis was playing was singing the national anthem and they came back on Sports Center and Charlie Stein like literally couldn't talk; he was laughing so hard. Yeah, I guess do you fall it in the blooper category because this obviously isn't in the blooper category, but their coverage of Demar Hamlin and that night I thought was incredibly impressive. Yeah, I mean, Lisa Salters in that yeah, moment, Lisa Salters for sure, you know, handling that. But in the blooper real moment, oh my gosh! And I'll say this about Susie Colbert: I've been fortunate to you know, just have some brief conversations with her and watch her work at NFL owners meetings and the combine. And she does outstanding, outstanding work, and not. Yeah, you know, I think there's this. At least I maybe have a misperception of like, oh, you work for ESPN, someone just feeds you everything. And you just like walk into your desk on a Monday and you're like, all right, here's everything that you need to know. I mean, I've watched Susie again work firsthand and I was pretty darn impressed by her work ethic and her diligence. And obviously, you know, she was there for, I mean, how old is she, Jake? I mean, what, two, three decades she was there? I'm looking right here. She is 59 years old, a graduate of the University of Miami. Hell of a run. Oh, she's a Bruce Brown fan. Probably a Stephen Holder. Well, Holder's not 59. A lot of Jim Laranega references in the press conference yesterday between Rick Carlisle and Bruce Brown. Great coach. Great coach. So he was an assistant for Car at Virginia when Carlisle was there? Was that what the reference was? Correct. And, you know, Laranega is one of those that everywhere he's gone, he has won. And everywhere he has left, they won for like a year or two. And then things dropped dramatically because you could see his influence when he was there. Speaking of that, with the Pacers Summer League underway on Saturday night, it would not shock me at all if we get to the end of the Summer League and Isaiah Wong, the second-round pick, is probably the Pacers' leading scorer in the Summer League. All right, we will round it out one final week. It's been such a strenuous work week. Here we are with one final break. Is this the quietest sports weekend of the year? You know, it's funny you mention that because we were just talking about this yesterday in our meeting. I mean, you were there, obviously, Kev. For so many years, Scotty, you correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I, I am thinking of this incorrectly. But for so many years, I recall the Independence Day holiday, so clearly the 4th of July, being a day that was right around the Wimbledon Finals. Yeah, same. Same here. I, I And I'm not even going back that far. Yeah, and like now it's like just getting underway now granted you know not a surprise fourth of july not as big a holiday in england but that was just such a staple on the the sports calendar and such a big part of the sports calendar for so long 
you know, back back in the day, if you will. But well, next weekend we're going to get the British Open. It's the last major in golf, and Wimbledon ending on the same day. I I never remember that happening. Yeah, I mean, you would think they would want. I know it's not obviously the same governing bodies that run those two events, but you would think you'd want to space that out a little bit more. But yeah, I would have to think this is probably the quietest not a lot going on that's for certain now there are only what what is the trivia question of days on the calendar there are only so many days where there none of the four major professional sports are playing and i it's the day before and the day after the all-star game the base the baseball all-star game Mm -hmm. and that might be it now right an all-star game is tuesday right home run derby monday where is the where are those activities this year oh seattle Mm -hmm. yeah well if I'm Ellie Day of the Cruise, maybe that's why I wouldn't want to fly out there. Too long of a trip for me. Although I think Seattle's a great town. I love Seattle. Uh, are you Toronto bound next weekend? I am. Uh believing Ooh, ketchup chips in my future. I'm flying though. Oh, okay. Or oh, you can't sneak that paraphernalia through the yeah. airport? <laughs> Can be a mule. Mule for chips. I don't here's the thing. I pack very lightly when I go to Toronto because I bring back, I go to Roots and I buy so many different outfits at Roots. So I don't know that I'll have room in my bag for ketchup chips for you. Buy a couple less shirts and you'll be fine. Huh? Buy a couple less shirts. The ketchup chips are awesome, aren't they? They are good. What was the other one you brought the last time? Uh, Mints, right? Those Canadian mints. No, but I thought there's two different chips. There's ketchup and then there's Oh, uh,. Was the other one the the bacon flavored? That's what it was. Yeah, those were yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I really salty. like those mints. Yeah, the mints back. Oh, the roots mints. Mm-hmm. Would you like the blueberry flavor, the maple flavor, or the regular? I like the flavor? maple. Okay. And I love the nickname for Zach Eady, the Big Maple. Can that we is. get that more mainstream? I don't know if it is more mainstream, but that's awesome. The maple leaf is a cool logo, isn't it? Like oh, the, it's the really Canadian cool. flag is pretty awesome. This just in, Pat Fitzgerald been suspended two weeks, effective immediately following investigation into hazing allegations within the Northwestern football program. Really? Hmm. Have you ever been in a situation where you were hazed, Kevin? I, I, I can't say I have. Monday through Friday, 7 to 10. Yeah, thank you, Mark, for that. <laughs> Mark utters Monday through Friday, 7 to 10. Yeah, what are you talking outside about? of the 15 hours a week. Yeah. People say to me all the time, How's they're the like, play, you'd be Lincoln. wonderful as a coworker because you're so humble is what they say to me. Again, that's you in the mirror every morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed him. We had Pat Fitzgerald on a couple months he ago. He was great, yeah. Talk about those two Colts draft picks. I, I I don't know if I, maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, but Jake, if I were to make a list of college football coaches that would be suspended for hazing, I, I would I would think Pat Fitzgerald would fall somewhere on that list. Really? See, when we had him, it's I was kind like, of intimidating man, dude. Former linebacker. I mean, he's a football guy right so in old school to your point i mean i don't you want what is and i'm this is a slippery slope to go down but what is hazing how is that defined in 2023 yeah that's a great question yeah um uh i mean i I could see the article i could honestly see how pat fitzgerald and and i want to make clear ahead of time i have not heard what the allegations are so if they turn out to be really severe i will it, you know, totally backtrack that and say I was wrong. I could see the possibility that a guy like Pat Fitzgerald coaching in 2023 would put in principle or practice that he underwent or or went through as a player 
not realizing the fact that in 2023 it's a totally different culture and environment than 1987. How about Northwestern? Remember when they won the game in Dublin last year over Nebraska to start the season? Yeah, wasn't that like... It was the only game of the weekend. Yeah. They win, and everyone's like, oh my God, could they be the sleeper team out of the Big Ten West this year? They lost 11 straight after that to end the season. They scored single-digit points in six of those 11 games. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Like, did was something going on there that derailed just the the attitude, the, the, the tight-knit nature of the team? You know, we shall see. Right? Notre Dame's doing that this year, the double in action. Hazing? Well, hopefully not. Marcus Freeman, I don't know. He doesn't strike me as that. Um, yeah, they got Navy in Dublin to open up the year. They're also facing uh, Eddie George. You know Eddie jo- where Eddie George coaches? Ooh. Uh, I, I don't, but let me guess. They're on the Notre Dame schedule? Yeah. Um, Notre Dame is, I think they added like a historically black college to their schedules X out amount of years. So Eddie George is a head coach at an HBCU? Uh-huh. Uh, I'll go with Alcorn State. Tennessee State. Okay. And then Ohio State. I should have guessed that. He played, he's a legend in Tennessee, I guess. Right? Were you yeah. say something? I was just going to say, regarding that, uh, Northwestern's suspension says, uh, the investigation found that the coaching staff was unaware of any alleged hazing, but also had opportunities to discover them for themselves and report the hazing conduct. As a result, Northwestern has announced the permanent suspension of Camp Kenosha, the Wildcats preseason training camp site in Wisconsin. Huh. Hmm. So hazing done by the players. Sounds like it. Interesting. Uh, Everyone have a great weekend. Enjoy the nice weather. We'll see if the rain can hold off tomorrow. And we will chat with all of you coming up on Monday. Thanks for tuning in to Kevin and Quarry all week long.